thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. From Asthma Core Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. Hey, all right. You made it. Yeah. We all made it. I'll paraphrase you from our Weezman episode this week, Aaron. If you can hear our voice right now, you've made it. (laughs) Yes. Although this post on New Year's Eve, you've still got 24 hours not to make it. Oh, what (laughs) is it? What is it, 165? Yeah. Yeah. I'm Chris. I'm Aaron. I'm Rich. What a year. Yeah. a year. I I would like to do like uh, some sort of wrap up on the year. And try and balance it out because I'm sure there's some good things that happen. But I mean, like personally, there's there's highlights of of my personal year that I can say, hey, this you know, good things happened here and there. But on a whole, as a planet, <laughs> as a universe, <laughs> like as, we, as a group, what were the highlights of this last year? I'm really struggling to come up with anything. Well, if you're in the one, if you're in the one percent, you got a hell of an next four years on hand. I guess it. Well, yeah. I mean, there is a considerable portion of the population. Good year who, for Rich Whitey, who uh, is is rather happy that this was uh, the year that things started to turn around for them. Yeah, I got to imagine I wasn't alive then, but I have to imagine if you were alive and you were of an age to be aware of what was going on, this had to be. Kind of like maybe like 1968, yeah, to where maybe 69. I don't know. I was I, what, year, what year did Altamont happen? That was that was 70, wasn't it? I I don't know. I, 68 just seems like cause there was just so much shit that that happened that was unreal and crazy. I mean, you had Robert be, Kennedy assassinated. You had MLK. No one could have predicted that at the beginning of the year. It's funny. I was talking about this kind of today with my dad. About it, you know, is this similar to 68? He's like, nah, these new people are too... Bu-. He, he pretty much called out the, the new generations. He's like, people are too pussy nowadays. It'll never be like it was in 68. Yeah, but well, on a, on a broader aspect, though, uh, you have horrible events that, especially in hindsight, preceded a lot of change in this country, right? And... While we don't have the the death of like major politicians or figureheads in this yet. year, I have a theory on that. Yet <laughs> we still have time. No, I just think everyone thought Obama was a was a walking target. I died. I'm starting to think Trump is going to be the first president we've seen assassinated That's, while we've been sucking air. I just I think personally that yeah. we figured out that character assassination is a lot easier to get away with and is just as effective against well, politicians as actual assassination. Or then actual assassination. Because well, well, my bigger point, no, though, wait no a minute, clip. wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. The, the point here was that we see during chaotic times, that's where the change comes out of. And we can point to a lot of positive change that came out of the end of the 60s, even though there was horrible events that happened. Um. And I, we may say, hopefully, we can see some positive change out of a horrible year like 2016, or we could see change in a direction that's not so positive. At least, maybe from my aspect, maybe not from somebody else's. 
<laughs> as we greet you with a rousing round of silence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think me and <coughs> me and Rich are the right audience for your <laughs> your positive feel good speech. That, well, no, no, that wasn't a positive feel good speech. My point is that I, I, you know, Rich was drawing similarities between the late '60s and now. I'm saying, yeah, absolutely, I can see that. I just, I'm not convinced that the change that we'll see from that chaos will be in a positive direction. That's the difference between now and the late 60s. Hey, the military and police will all get... many differences between now and the late 60s, but... The military and the police will all get one uniform. It'll be cheaper in the long run. (laughs) (laughs) Employment's up because... uh, Everyone works at the factory. Need for more stormtroopers. What is that from? Weapons production is up. What's the factory from? What was I watching the other day? Is that the man in the high castle? Was it? You'll all go work in the factory. Your family will be... I don't know. I think that's... Well, you're on season one. Yeah. Yeah, I I just wrapped up season two. It's a grim show, man. But it does... No no spoiler talk, but it does manage to take what looks like a very dark and, and hopeless scenario... And uh, turn it around. Is there a war in the 80s? It straightens everything out. <laughs> no, right. no. no, it doesn't jump far into the future, really. Well, yeah. So. Well, anyways, just to address what Chris said, when I said about character assassination, you said, really? What about Bill Clinton? Bill Clinton was the last, really, the, the, the last um, politician that was insulated from hacking that can happen, from having an online life. But okay, what about Donald Trump? The, the, how many times did the media try to take his ass down in the last two years, and it made him stronger? He's like, he's like fucking, it's like a, something out of a Dragon Ball cartoon. It just makes me stronger, and he gets bigger. Then he charges up. Yeah, until he was over 9,000. He's, he's like, grab him by the pussy. Oh, you know, like. Dude, Trump is, Trump is and I mean, it, to continue, I guess, to, to continue the comparison, Trump's like, a, Trump's like a vampire for criticism. Like, Nixon was a vampire for power, man. I mean, it's just, it, it, you throw criticism at him, and it should affect him, and he, he just bounces off of him, or he just absorbs it, and get, like you guys said, gets stronger. It, He's like the I'm, Eli Manning of politics. Right, he has to have somebody on his team saying, stop saying Russia. Just stop. <laughs> Just shut up. He has to and, have people and, on his team and, saying, stop saying a lot of shit. And he's basically either fired him or ignored him. Just flat out. Right. And then still, he's, he's saying now, uh, because of the, Obama said that, uh, well, he, he enacted sanctions on Russia because of the hacking. And looking, they're looking to take other steps and he, his com- comment on this was, uh, it's time for a country to move on to bigger and better things. I don't... You're fired. You're fired. I mean... You're fired. You're fired. You're is, fired. It, You're is it the public and the media's fault that he can't even be nuanced on this? Like, I know that he can't be completely silent on it. Obviously, he can't, they can't shut him up about it. But is it not possible for any politician, giving Donald Trump the benefit of the doubt of the situation, that he would maybe want to say um, that while they, they have proof that Russia tried to influence our election, that's not the same as hacking, but it's still something that we would want to investigate and possibly even retaliate on, right? Because it seems like the truth here really is smack dab in the middle. We have one side going, this is nothing this is uh, 
this is just a distraction and an excuse for why you lost an election. And you have the other side saying, no, this is everything. This is us being manipulated by the Russians. And maybe a few practical people in the middle going, this is business as usual when it comes to uh, uh, information uh, uh, tactics between countries, misinformation tactics. It's nothing new that Russia would be would have an interest in, in who was president, who was running this country, or what our policies are. And uh, But it's also not that they, you know, hacked our election results, right? It's not anything new, but it's still something that we should be actively pursuing on. That's my opinion, and, and it seems like any reasonable president would have that opinion on it, but I don't even know that anyone outside of Trump could get away with saying that nuanced version of the, of the facts. I'm in the camp of it's not Russia's fault. We're dumb and easily manipulated. No, it's not. But that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm talking about. Like we understand that Russia is is uh, producing fake news, is trying to spread inf- misinformation. But that's absolutely nothing new, right? It doesn't mean. I mean, does it mean that they affected the results of our election? There's no quantifiable way to actually measure that. There just isn't. Don't tell the but, left that. Well. I mean, the only thing that you could find that would be actionable that, that would actually change the results of the election is is hacking of the election results, and we've seen no proof of that. Right? Hacked us, man. But, but, hacked us. But we conflate. Well, that's the thing. We keep calling it this Russian hack. Well, they hacked emails. They got information. We're not drawing a clear well, enough I mean, line between the difference between hacking us for information and trying to use that in propaganda and actually they changing the results. The royal us... I guess who's, is what I'm getting who's the at. the royal us as a country? Yes, they hacked us as a as a group. They hacked our personalities. Right. They they've hacked, been, they've they been hacking every one of us for decades They didn't now. hack a computer, per se. Ever since they the ha- internet went up, Nigeria and Russia went crazy with all these opportunities to, to bilk people, white people, out of their money. Like I said, Mr. Robot, he talks about hacking people. That is what Russia did to us. Yeah. They, yeah, that's true. They found the bug. That, we're, we're dumb and easily manipulated. Yeah, so the real and hack wasn't, it. wasn't the emails. It was the opinions of the people who they, are easily manipulated. They yeah. hacked our general subconscious. Right. We're dumb. It's <laughs> been my whole point the whole time. Like, well, really, the way I look at it is that if you have a pipe full of water and it flows this way, and you add another pipe onto it, and you cut off the flow that was going from, let's say, east to west, and now it flows you know, east to northwest. That's basically what they did. They, they just we, we, we think the way that we were going to think anyways. And they just were like, well, let's just add this other thing in here and see how many people fucking mm-hmm. fall for it. I get and you. They, so they, it's, they don't have to change the direction of the flow of the, of the river. They just Very have to, much. They just have to divert it. They yeah. can take... You're already thinking along these lines, so we can just easily nudge you over across a line just by taking you off a slightly divergent path. Yeah, I guess I guess the way a train track switches would make a little bit more sense because right. I mean, you know, if you're on the train, you don't even really notice that you just ran over where the you know where the track switched. Were they standing you know there at the switch, twisting their mustache and their fingers with a black hat <laughs> right. coat on? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> And You're telling me if they got into if they got and Obama they got in, was tied down to the tracks. <laughs> Wait a minute, I think we're taking this analogy too far. They had a hammer and sickle on the back of their coat <laughs> to label them correctly. 
<laughs> okay, if they can hack into emails from the Democratic National Party, release them. You're telling me they couldn't do it for the Republican Party? You're telling me the oh, Republican no, the, but, Party but behind the scenes weren't shitting themselves about Trump but to they each have, other? They have, tr- they have proof that they did hack the Republican emails and didn't do anything with the information they had. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. That's what I'm trying. That's what I was ultimately getting at. Yeah. They know who they wanted. They wanted Trump in there. Right. And so they released everything they could possibly release out of everything they got. They said, we're not even going to, we're not even going to release this. Just put that in our fucking files for later. But we're going to release this shit right. to, to, to sway public opinion because she's already even, this was the amazing part about this election in 2016. All the polls that said, you know, on Hillary Clinton, do you support her? Even people who support her were like, I don't think she's trustworthy, but I support her. That's, a, that, that's amazing. So already there was doubt there. And all they did was stoke the fire underneath that fucking doubt and bring it to a boil. Well, yeah, your two co-hosts on this very podcast, we voted for Hillary, but we didn't feel good about it. I mean, that's what we packaged it as. Like, not, 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 not a big fan that I'm doing this, but it's better than the alternative. Which this is what I'm. This is what I'm saying when I went back to. It's easier nowadays to use technology to assassinate, and I don't necessarily, you know, maybe character assassination wasn't the proper way to put it. But it's easier to use technology and misinformation to sway people and to end careers and to take people out of out of the political system than it is. To plan, you know, an assassination right. or a coup or whatever, because well, I, everybody has information. I mean, you, do we we tend to forget because we're in the U.S. that there's a rest of the world, and in the rest of the world, the U.N. has already said that internet access is a human right. Okay, so you know their job is to by a certain date, everybody in the world have internet access. So with that free flowing of information. That's going to be the way to control people. Right. Well, that's why I'm so annoyed by the, all these news stories about fake news. Because the concept of misinformation is not new. And no, not our, our mistake in trying to deal with this is that we're looking at this as a technological problem with a technological solution. Not realizing that when we moved into a technological world, we brought all of our problems with us. And misinformation is one of them. Just it's like another case express- of having, it's another case of pointing the finger somewhere else instead of directly at you. It's going. Right. It's a little, oh, it takes away a little bit of personal responsibility. It wasn't my it's, fault. It's fake news's fault. I'm an idiot. It wasn't my fault. I walked into a pizzeria with loaded weapons and demanded to see where the kids were stashed. It was the fake information that that I can't decipher from from real yeah. news. I'm a moron, so it's fake news's fault. Right. 20 years right. ago. Right. I think if you and I read, if we read that story, we'd go, that sounds ridiculous, and there's no way I'm believing that until I read three or four other stories all corroborating the same evidence. Well, an associate of mine and Rich has posted a meme about George Michael on Sunday. I don't, I don't know if he was like posting it as like mm-hmm. people are retarded or if, uh, he was, or if he agreed with the stuff that was on it. Yeah. But I knew within five seconds of reading that meme... Everything, everything on it was fake. What was the meme? What are you talking about? Oh, it was, you know, well, you know yeah, I'll, I'll bring it yeah. up. Rich, you, you, I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, it's the George Michael one. The, the, no, Rich, it's the George Michaels. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> what it is, it's a picture. Okay, it's a picture of George Michael. 
And it says at the top, it, it, it claims this is, a, this is a quote from him. I'd rather die than sing at Trump's inauguration. And then it tr- attributes the quote to George Michaels, plural, not singular. Right. And it says he said it in 2016. Then it, and then there's commentary underneath. He didn't just leave the country, he left the planet. Gotta admit, that was one dedicated libertard. He's not even American. <laughs> what? Yeah, they, exactly. they never even heard this guy talk? <laughs> exactly. And then the person who posted it, because it was a repost, the original text that they posted with it said, gotta be careful what you wish for, liberals. First it was Janet Reno, now Georgie. There's a pattern here. Hmm? On second thought, keep... What? Keep... On second thought... On second thought, keep wishing. LOL. Keep. Wi- Be careful what you what wish for. What does Janet for, Reno for. and George Michael have to do with each other? I have no idea. <laughs> None whatsoever. <laughs> I think that... Uh, are good thoughts to liberal-minded people are killing them? Is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I guess. And, of course, I read it and it was like, really... Okay. Well, I knew you when know, it whatever. said I knew when it said and George it, Michaels that it was wrong. <laughs> well, I, I I read it and you know just okay whatever, T- tossed it out my you know tossed it over my shoulder, crumpled it up whatever it's done it's over with, and Chris actually went and fact checked it and posted the reality that, of that he never said any of this. This is all just wishful thinking, I guess. I'm not I'm, even yeah. What is the Trump point? Supporters? That, that post has been taken down, by the way. It, it is no what, longer what is the page. positive for somebody? I mean, I don't understand what the spin is on this. There's no spin. It's just pettiness, man. It's, it's just it, pettiness. It's just being petty. It's, it, it's aha, not, we won. Haha, you like this guy because he was spoke out against Trump and now he's dead. No, yeah. here. <laughs> Which, do you think Trump ever asked George Michael to perform at his inauguration? No. <laughs> oh. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Found it. Well, actually, I could see him like... What about George Michael? He's a big star. Like, I remember the 80s. Right. He's probably so out of it. I got a lot of pussy in the 80s. I got a lot of pussy to that Faith album. I put it on in 1988. It was like taking a broad furniture shopping. When I watched that the, Faith video and he was shaking was his ass, saying, it made me feel like when I see Putin without his shirt on now. I was thinking about the, the, the new Faith video. What was the uh, Faith 98? Remember uh, with the models? And he's like, I fucked everyone. Oh, up. Freedom 90. Yeah, Freedom. freedom. 90. Oh, yeah, yeah. Freedom 98. Yes, I'm sorry. Thank you. But it was the... Uh, I got it mixed up because they were using imagery from the Faith video in that, in Freedom. Yeah, they burned but, his jacket and right. blew up the, the guitar and all that. I, yeah. gra- I grabbed every one of those women by the pussy, by the way. Linda yeah. Evangelista, hairiest pussy I ever grabbed. I tell you, <laughs> my little hands got tangled up in her pubes. I didn't like the haircut. She looked like a 13-year-old boy, but I got over her when she took off her shirt. Oh, man. I wanted to crawl into her sweater with her. I watched that video so many times. I love that song. The video was a a bonus. That is a good point. Hey, thank you. You know what? George Michael had a lot of really good songs. I like the man because he's got chops. Like one thing that you... He sure does. Like one thing you could tell... Justin Bieber, you could tell that boy still has auto-tune... And well, all of his shit. You, well, but he he had to work against an image as a, a teeny bopper star, right? Yes. And this is a man who, while not prolific as somebody like Prince, was very much talented in, in ways that Prince was. 
wrote all of his own songs, did a lot of the own, his own vocals and even backup vocals yeah. on that, especially on that face stuff. All those female vocals are just him sped up on the tape. Yeah, like, you ever he seen plays the, uh... instruments. I mean, he's a, he's a multi-talented at, uh, artist and producer. And uh, so you ever see the Freddie Mercury tribute? I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah him and Queen. He, he sat in for yeah. Freddie on uh, someone to love, and yep. even the rehearsals, the rehearsals and the live one. I mean, he hit that fucking high note at the end. I was just I know. listening. That's the first thing you think of when you hear that, when you think of that song, is that note. I was just yeah. listening to that day. the other day, and I was like... Just try and tackle that song as balls, man. And I thought, why didn't he, when they put the band back together with Queen, and... He should have, right? Shouldn't he why have- did they call Paul Rogers? Well, why did they? Why did they not call George Michael? George Michael would have been so perfect. I would have loved to have seen Queen touring with George Michael as lead. Yeah, I mean, but when you hear him sing it, it's fucking badass. We're gonna hear him sing right now, because <laughs> I like Queen and I like George Michael. But the guy had pipes, and what really sold me on having pipes because really when I was little, it was that whatever shit was on the radio. But yeah. when it came out, when I was first getting into music, when he that duet he came out with, with Elton John. Okay. The the mel- the harmonizing they do at the end is fucking fantastic. Oh, is it? Yeah. Like he's singing the high, Elton John singing the the main melody and it's fucking That's when I knew George Michael had chops and like, man, that guy from the Faith video could fucking sing. <laughs> like I remember it seems like George Michael was there throughout my whole childhood, honestly. Like out of any pop artist out there, George Michael was present. When I was really young, my cousins would have Wham posters on their uh, on their walls. Yep, have Wham shirts. Um, you know, just the, the the white T-shirt with the big Wham on it, the big block letters. Um, then when I was a little bit older, it came out with uh, "I Want Your Sex." I'm in grade school, and I'm hearing that like, you know, mom. Con- one of the moms going to pick up a group of kids. One of the few all... videos that when I was little started making me aware of my dick. Yeah. Hey, what's going on here? <laughs> right. So we hear we hear that and we're really just like is, aghast. Like, what is coming out of the radio thing, right is it now? Just for peeing. And it wasn't. It was partly about what he was saying that he was blatantly saying the word sex instead of using a euphemism for it. Mm. And also, I know it sounds really dated now, but the music itself was like kind of freaky it sounded pretty alien at the time you know that it's pretty produced it's very produced but it's it it sounds like a lot of well it kind of sounds like <clears throat> a lot of uh, a techno that gets produced these days it's a lot like uh found object samples and stuff like that and you know what it reminded me of in retrospect it reminded me of the first time because the first time i remember hearing i want your sex was on the beverly hills to it was in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Uh-huh. Um and my mom had the soundtrack. For what reason I don't know. Uh, Everybody had that soundtrack, man. Beverly Hills Cop 2? Maybe one with uh had- Axel F on it. But no, two, was- two two had uh it had the um Oh, Shakedown. Shakedown, right. Breakdown, Breakdown take, Busted. Take, <laughs> the only number one hit Bob Seeger's ever had. Oh, that's so that sad, song. man. I know. Um, but I guess yeah. I think everybody in Michigan had that because they were like, "Oh fuck, look at Bob Seger." Um, but, anyway. but yeah, so so it, the, like hearing it in retrospect would be like the first time I heard like Timbaland's production. 
it was like that's kind of weird but it works like yeah. think back to like early Timberland stuff with like Aaliyah yeah like those those are beats made up of stuff that you didn't hear in hip hop let alone popular well, music well right before. when I first started hearing uh, like stuff that was produced by Pharrell like that yeah, yeah like the, mil- the milkshake song honestly blew my mind the sound I'm like I can't believe that this is coming out of like oh, a pop song on the radio because the beat on there is fucking sick. And if you just took out her vocals, is that why we all like that song? Pharrell produced it. Yeah. Ah. Uh, um. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and that's kind of reminding me. Like again, listening to "I Want Your Sex Now" sounds really tame, but the way there is an aspect to it where everything is super produced. It's super tight. It's all done with MIDI and shit, so it's all super synced. And it kind of reminds me of how, well, a lot of the, the pop, the more current pop music that took its influence from techno. And so instead of having a guitar, acoustic guitar, you have like this choppy acoustic guitar sample that you use. And the drums get a lot tighter and the, and the rhythms, the bass line and the, and, and the drums are like syncopated more. Well, yeah, I know that this, is, this is something that MTV <laughs> played down back in the day with him. I, I don't know about now because I don't have MTV. Yeah. And I don't even know if MTV would even talk about George Michael's death. But uh, one of the things I respected him for was the fact that, yeah, he was in Wham. That was, in you know, admittedly teeny bopper music. That yeah. kind of crossed over here into, like mom you know like soccer mom music because they like make me up bro you know, oh, well, yeah. that song i was thinking so of the gas oh, fight shit. zoolander personally <laughs> and then and then faith come out and faith was like it kind of ha- faith the song faith was almost like a throwback to a 50s song it was yeah and then you had father figure huh. and you had i want your sex you had father I mean, figure couple- still my jam uh, you know, a couple different songs on there that you just were like, he's kind of all over the map stylistically on this thing. Yeah, he, he could do whatever he wanted. And then when he come out with Freedom 90, that or that, that, the next album, Listen Without Prejudice, yeah. he completely removed himself Playing it again for the song. next like five, six years from all his videos. I mean, it wasn't just Freedom 90 he did that with. It was all his videos. Yeah, that's true. He... He the whole point of the album was don't you know he got he got tired of being you know everyone going oh the good looking blue eyed soul singer right and he's like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute they're no not one, concentrated on what he's doing what he's writing how he's singing it they're just like oh he's got nice face and nice ass yeah, yeah. exactly and so he took himself out of the equation hard for a white man in this world this <laughs> Well, you also got to remember something here. Yes. Once again, this is, and this is just something that I have a few friends who are from overseas and their perspective on it was, yeah, over here, since he's died, I've read a couple, you know, pieces online about people saying, oh, you know, he had a ghetto pass and the black community loved him. Oh, overseas, yeah. they don't have they don't have these race issues like we do between black and white. Their race issues are with immigrant are more nationalistic issues they're more or muslims it's kind of universal right now now, i mean it's it's shitty it's shitty to say but yeah now no yeah it's it's refugees now i mean 
I, I like get the your French point. think the French think the French are better than everybody, right. and the Germans don't like this. And the, you know, it's not like based on black and white. And they just were like, you know, it took balls to tell his record company, "I'm not going to make videos with me fucking in tight clothes dancing around," and. I'm gonna produce my album my way. I'm right. gonna release the songs I want to release. I'm gonna put out. I'm gonna yeah. put the videos out I want to put out. So I'm gonna call up Herb Ritz and see if I can get mm-hmm. any models in my video. And they lined up for his shit. That, yeah, that's another way where he was a futurist when it comes to the, the music industry. Uh, he was the the belief in music industry. If you want to be a pop star, you play the game, or they blacklist you. Right. You are either going to be the pop star that everybody wants you to be, or you are not going to sell any records, and you will be—you won't be able to get on any record label. And he was like, "No, you—you you can have it both ways. You—you you don't have your your face on every billboard. You don't—you uh, may not make as many millions of dollars as you would if you played the game as the sex symbol or whatever, but." I don't remember hearing any stories about him being destitute, right? Even when no, they even when, when they he talk, died, he was worth two hundred million, right? Even when he was sucking dick in a men's restroom, and that's, everybody was like, "That's good investing." Oh, I can't believe that's where gay people meet to fuck. I, uh, it wasn't like he was homeless, you know. That's just where he went to meet guys. It's pre grinder. Yeah. It was before you get it. Before you right. had a no, exactly. And I mean that's the, that's another thing I respect him for because people these days don't realize if you come out as if you are a major sex symbol and you come out as gay in the eighties that was that was you know that was such a fucking gamble yeah he saw it easily went either way for him he saw both spectrum of gay in the entertainment industry so to speak he started right. when it was well it could it could ruin you you didn't want it to get out and. By the end, it's it's now you could argue it's a point of pride in the entertainment industry, right? And, what, it, and what it will I now help you sell more things. And what I think is funny is look how petty his record label was because I mean, it's it's I don't put it past a record label that has dumped as much money in in in, the, in 1990 when Listen Without Prejudice came out. He took his stand against Sony. Sony was you know it's it's the behind the scenes scuttlebutt is that people at Sony were told. Why don't you call somebody and give him an anonymous tip that he's gay? You know, let's see if we can kind of like force him into the spotlight that way. Like we'll get we'll get some rumors started, and you know maybe that'll 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 change his mind. And he was no, it didn't. I mean, that's when I first started hearing he was gay. Yeah. He didn't officially come out, but I mean, it was when he come out, it was like well, the well, he Clay was, Aiken. He was, again, yeah. I always pick on Clay Aiken, but he it's was, the truth. They're like. Really glad you know now. We already know. Yeah, yeah. He was forced out by his rest. But yeah, th- there is a, a quote from him that I had heard recently in in a piece about him on the radio, and he was talking about how when he was first starting out as an artist, um, there was a lot of questions people were asking about his sexuality. And he's like, I don't even fucking know. He would he was evasive because he was he sounded like. He didn't elaborate too much, but it played sounded the, like he was playing playing the field. Played, he played the Freddie played, Mercury game. Oh, I like it all. If you're George Michael, I mean, why not? If you're not repulsed by dicks, then go ahead. Like the the, the world is your oyster. So 
he hadn't get that drop. He didn't. Uh, yeah, he, he wasn't uh, adamant about his sexuality enough to tell anybody else that he was like necessarily straight or gay. And then he said, by the time he figured it out. He was so sick of the questions. He was just like, "Fuck you! It's none of your business either way." And I mean, it's that's what I that's what I, I I think people that are like maybe in their teens, twenties, right now don't understand. Probably, oh, why didn't you just say it? How much balls it took for yeah. him to say it's none of your business? Because twenty five to thirty then. years ago, kids, you didn't say it. It was still what is it? Freddie Mercury had to say he had AIDS the day before he died. Like, oh, by the way, I yeah. got AIDS. Next day, done. Like, yeah, I mean, it was a, it, it was a stigma till probably about the late nineties. And if you and to 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 prove your point, when Easy E when they announced he had AIDS and then he died a few days later, the first thing his estate did was go into damage control in the hip hop community because they wanted to take out any doubt out of anybody but mine that's an Easy E fan. He was not gay. He got AIDS through having unprotected heterosexual sex. They even made a point to say that in, sta- in, in statements that were released. I remember that clear as day. And I'm going, damn, dude. Okay. Like, no, I'm dude, real- he really liked chicks. No, man. That, that, that's a quote from his press releases day after his death. But, but I mean, like, I realize, like, how, you know, how machismo is such an important thing and, 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 and swag is such an important thing in hip-hop, but... Until that point, I didn't realize it. I didn't even think about it. But then again, I didn't listen to a whole lot of Easy E, so I didn't get that every other, you know, song he's talking about. You know, that faggot this, that faggot that. So, yeah. Well, what are what are the other? I mean, there's so many notable deaths. What are the ones that you feel affected you the most? I, personally, I don't think anything affected me as much as David Bowie's stuff, and. Maybe you could argue that as the year rolled on and more and more important artists passed away that it just kind of numbed you to it. That that uh, by the time Carrie Fisher came around and, and her mother, Debbie Reynolds, it was just like, let's just get this over with. Well, can I just ask a question? But, but that's the only one that really made me stop in my day. you know. And, I, and when it comes to anybody that died this year, that's probably the one who's... I own most of their material. I'm like the biggest fan of. Mine be well, no, Prince. No. Yeah, Prince. Just as yeah, as a kid in the '90s, learning to play guitar and was going to school for guitar and trying to get into guitar that didn't involve power chords or overdrive pedals. Right. I mean, Prince was a guy that I'd look to. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't celebrate the man's entire catalog, but he was a guy I looked to to. Uh, to listen to to try and emulate for here's how to play right. guitar when it, the object is to not turn up to 11 and just thrash right because there wasn't like, a whole lot of things going on with like poison and well it was also the only death and, really this year that made me stop and go damn prince died like even david bowie was like he was 70 he was sick you know what i'm saying like right. it was still a bummer right i guess uh, you know, prince, George- prince was just out of nowhere yeah and I yeah, <clears throat> I would say I would say Prince too, and I think I think what I think that's the one that shocked me the most. But I think what's what what I've taken away from this entire year with all the celebrity death, I guess, is the response that I've seen to it online or or heard on like 
podcast, which is just this collective shrugging and meh. And why are you people affected by this? You didn't know any of these people. And I'm, it just really is drilling home that I really need to stop wishing or hoping that mo- that most people are good people. Most people are just fucking miserable assholes, and they want everyone else to be miserable assholes. Because I can't count how many times I've heard what. Why the fuck would it's? It'd be no different. It'd be like you telling what you you said what you said about David Bowie, Aaron. Yeah. And he's the type of people to go. Why the fuck do you care? Did you know him personally? Did he come over to your right. fucking house? Did he pay uh, your we, bills? We, we might have had a situation like that. But the here's night. the here's the argument. You no, know, at your funeral, you wouldn't. I would hope that when you wh- whoever you are when you pass, the people that you touched are there to commemorate you, and that doesn't mean the people that. Uh, knew you the best doesn't just you know you had to have known me intimately to be at my funeral just known me just affected in some way and while i've never met david bowie i've never been in the same room with him um when any artist puts their art out there that is as legitimate a form of communication as anything else and while it tends to be a one-way thing especially if you're just buying albums and listening to them you're still sharing something and they affected your life in some way so you you have every legitimate reason to mourn the passing of somebody who touched your life as anybody that you might have met in your real life not even i could say your real life to delineate but I'm not, i don't even mean that uh in, in your personal life and in, in, the, in the life in the, of the people around you that you have that have contact with no different it's no, not, I, just because I, it's, I completely agree with you. Just because it may be removed by certain things, like not personally knowing the the, the person who you're communicating with, doesn't mean that there is no communication, and doesn't mean that there's you, no effect. Carrie Fisher affected me not so much as I was a Carrie Fisher fan, as it seemed like it was a, 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 a tiny part of my youth died the other day. Right? Like, oh man, Princess Leia. You, you right, and I guess that's what George Michael's similar because, again, same thing. Like I came up with, you know, like I was saying, Wham as a, as a young child in grade school, his the beginning of his solo career. I didn't get to the third one, which was the the uh, what was the song that we kept playing, <laughs> the uh, Freedom song, uh-huh. and the video, which struck like right at that prime masturbation, master, masturbation. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm trying to say, <laughs> masturbation. <laughs> Period. You know, jacking it in San Diego. The, 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 the period where you could go five times in a day and not even have to take that much of a break between them. Yeah. Before you well, needed you know, the, a Gatorade and a nap to recharge. The thing that really struck me about Carrie Fisher is, yes, okay, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. It, so I can't remember a time where she wasn't in, in, in the terms of pop culture. A looming figure in my life. The first movie I remember going to see in the theater was Empire Strikes Back. Yep. So, you know, and I remember it vividly. I remember my parents arguing about taking me. My mom going, "Don't take this. We're not taking this child to this theater. This child will not sit still through this." And my dad looks at her and goes, Jeez. "It's Star Wars. He will." <laughs> and he goes, "The minute it, I've seen those films. Da, da, da. That woman you know, doesn't the, wear a bra. You can't." <laughs> But no, the minute the minute the you know the crawl started, he goes, "You literally sat there with your mouth agape until the credits rolled, and then the minute you left, and you found out there were Star Wars toys, 
you wanted all of them. Yeah. He's like, that's exactly what happened to you. And he it, goes, and you were all of, what, four or five years old? But the thing that, that struck me is that once Jedi come out and I was a little bit older, everything I learned about her was her her mental health struggles, her struggles with addiction, really kind of through the, the, the book she wrote and the, the semi-autobiography movie they made, Postcards from the Edge, about her and her mom. And what bothers me about the reaction to her death is I see so many people just writing her off as whatever. Who gives a shit? She was in some fucking shitty ass, you know, science fiction movie. It's a pop culture icon. And I say, okay, but if that's if that's all you see her as for her body of work as far as an actress, what about the fact that she spoke out about mental illness back in a time when no one was doing it? She spoke out about her problems with drug abuse and alcohol abuse when it wasn't cool to do. Now it's now people go to rehab for quote unquote exhaustion. You know, this was if you were this was if you went to rehab, they buried it. They buried that story. You know, money exchanged hands to keep that story quiet. She went out there and put it on Front Street. And she and she never fucking did it with like a look at me, I'm a martyr for you. I'm doing you know, she did this so she's like, I just want to get it out there that it's okay for families to talk about this and stop burying this shit because if you do it's gonna it's gonna rip your family and your life apart. And still hearing that, people are like, Whatever, so she was a drunk and a druggie who was crazy. Fuck that bitch. And I'm just like, really? Is this is this is 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 the choir of voices that are like that just that loud, that much louder than everybody else who's just sitting there like me, like oh, I'm kind of bummed out about this? Or is it really truly we're outnumbered by assholes like that? Oh, we are surrounded by assholes. We are like Rick, Rick Moranis in fucking Spaceballs, sir. We are surrounded by assholes. That just becomes more and more clear to me every day. Well. You know, I like pop culture and genre culture as much as the next guy, sometimes even more so. But I, this is clearly from people who that is their culture, right? Their, their knowledge of, like, I do other, I, I read about other things. I have other interests than just sci-fi and comic books. But if Kid Rock died, they'd care. <laughs> right, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, Whoever that person was to you, that's what they are. If they were nothing, they're nothing. I don't understand where the, the hatred comes from. It seems like we have this idea of because lots of people are talking about it, it's being shoved down our throats. Like we don't have venues and options and everything. Or channels to change, other social media to look at, other people to follow, other people to talk to. They have a multitude of opinions from many people, forums and, and, and chat boards across the, the internet as far as the eye can see. Like, just go talk to somebody who agrees with you instead of trying to shit on somebody else's parade. No, I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here because yeah. I just said we were surrounded by assholes. Because this is a very non assholeish thought. But what happened to maybe going, uh, I didn't, she wasn't my thing, but she was a lot of people's thing. How about nothing? If she was nothing to you, don't say anything. Yeah. You don't have to say anything. Nobody's asking for your opinion on Carrie Fisher. Nobody's that. Many people who are, are spouting off about her, nobody's asking for their opinion, but you know, a lot of them are very honest and, and, and earnest thoughts from people who either met her, maybe worked with her, or just flat out, they were touched by her, by her work, her honesty, whatever aspect it was that, that, uh, because she, 
She was by far, I mean, out of all the people, everybody in that movie, even the people that you never saw their faces went down as, as, as pop culture icons. And she was by far the most interesting out of any of the people involved in that, including George Lucas. Are you talking about just personally? As a person. The yes. most Okay, I'll give you that. If I were if you said you could living or dead have What about Max Rebo? Have uh dinner with anyone. I'm not talking like like I'm gonna try and hook know, up with ma'am. Carrie Fisher. I'm just talking about if you if you think you're gonna have a good conversation with an honest person, it's gonna be Carrie Fisher out of eh, anybody. Maybe that's who I would pick. Her or Harrison Ford. Come they on. Bo- they both really, live some life. What would you get out of a conversation with Harrison Ford? Depends on how drunk he is. Yeah, I've exactly. You don't even you don't even register. He's like a Westworld robot. Like you don't look like anything to him. Maybe <laughs> I'll get him get him drunk. You're not skinny. Bring up the Jews. Blonde. Hit record on my phone. See what happens. Or or offering him money. So what? Like. Yeah, he definitely has a type, and that's definitely it right there. Skinny and blonde. Skinny and blonde. Well, yeah, buddy. Yeah, Calista well, uh, Flockhart. Uh, uh, who was the chick that was with Helen for a while? I hope she and stops. Portia De Rossi, or whatever the hell her name is. Uh, Did he go through the whole Ally McBeal cast? I know, right? <laughs> he's like, get me that show. And he's like, I got you season one on DVD. He's like, no. no. <laughs> Every girl on that show, Did I want to bang. Did he get into Jane Krakowski? <laughs> I, I would. I would. That's just me. I would, yeah. heavily. I would I, now. I, I'm back. hot as hell. And I don't know what's. I don't know yeah, why. She's, still, but. she's hot okay. as hell now. She was hotter than. She was hot as shit. She's a good example. She was in there. her 20s. She was hot in that show in the day. She is hot now. She may or may not have some kind of work done, but she doesn't really look like it. Who cares? Callista Flockhart is hot both now and then. But definitely has had some work done. It is to the point where I'm really I'm like, please don't do anything else. I don't know. Once you've had work done like that, you've had your face stretched out. You can't. You don't have the option of aging naturally, right? Yeah, things no. are going to st- sag unnaturally. You let it. You stretch your your the bottom half of your face out, and then everything else sags around it, and you look like the Joker. Dude, all these my the wife watches all these these Real Housewife shows. All these bitches, man, they look. <laughs> they all got yeah. the same fucking look. They all look like they got fucking fake lips and their cheeks have been hollowed out. You know, I, you know, Dude, why? I, 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 I try not to focus too much on like what celebrities do with their body as far as, you know, what do you call it? Plastic surgery. But I got to say there it's it's sad looking at people that I grew up watching on TV or watching in movies and they fall into the same trap that the people before them fell into. Because I just saw a picture of Courtney Cox recently. Oh, yeah. She looks like a scarecrow. Oh, I don't know really? what happened to her. But I'm like, look, I, I think... I, you could see it during Cougar know, t- She got pe- one too many facelifts. That's what's going people, on. People of the... People of, of, you know, like fans, like we need to have an intervention with celebrities that we'll never meet and be like, stop listening to what Hollywood tells you. Yeah. Or get some therapy for your fucking body dysmorphia or whatever the fuck you have because you don't look normal. You don't even look oh, human. Oh, God, yeah. Yuck. Oh, I'm sorry. It, you just see Chris her? is showing me a picture of her, yeah. Yeah. And, and, yet, and yet who's still hot? Her co-host. Uh, the, one of the other chicks, not the blonde she, one, of the brunette on Cougar Town, the one from Scrubs. Oh. Uh, so fucking hot. Uh, she played Kate on Joe oh. Perry's show. Krista Miller. Oh, Krista Miller. She was uh, Perry's wife. 
Yes. Yeah, which I've always had a thing for her anyways. Yeah. Know. And again, somebody who doesn't, she doesn't look like she's had some kind of work done. She no, looked, and in Scrubs, all they did was make fun of her for having work done, and she never looked like she had work done. No, so. and she just looked her age. It's, it's okay. And very to, sexy. It's okay to age. Jesus, I wish, I wish, I wish people in Hollywood, and it's not just limited to women, even though it's predominantly women. And okay, whatever, you're sexist. All right, whatever, fuck you. It happens to men too. I've seen right. guys. I mean, Mickey Rourke fucked himself well, up. Well, yeah. I mean, I you could argue that that was part of the reason why George Michael wanted to, to get his his image separated from his music because what do you do then? He's like. You just stop making music when you're 50 because nobody wants to see you make it anymore. Exactly, but you know the the thing that the thing I think that maybe he wasn't thinking this far ahead back when he was in his late 20s, early 30s, whatever, when he dropped out of the spotlight like he did. Because I mean, eventually yeah. he did go back to being in his own videos. Yeah, and he all he looked like was a guy in his mid 30s making videos. I mean, he looked like a really good looking guy in his mid 30s. I mean, I'm believe me, my mother didn't care he was gay. She I still was all about him. I didn't ever so. see any bad pictures of him. I mean, oh. as guys get older, they, you know, they widen oh, up wait, a little bit. Did I say that? You know, they... <laughs> but uh, maybe he just didn't think that, like, he, you know, he could do, like, guys like, you know... Uh, do, uh, what guys? Do, well, no, no. What do, guys do, are we doing? Do he could have do, done any guy. I know. <laughs> do what do guys like on Motown did, who, who did R&B back in the day. Okay, so oh, yeah, the dance moves aren't so crisp, but he just going to have you sing. He did that apparently. <laughs> you know, well, look, Marvin Gaye was what? And he, was he was he fifty when he died? When he got killed? Uh, he wasn't that old, was he? He wasn't fifty. Stand by. That happened he in the eighty. What, like eighty six? Yeah, was he it, had to it, be. He was in his he was in his what mid twenties when he started, and that was in the early sixties. That's when true. He, he did start. Marvin like, Gaye was really 40, early. Man, forty four. He was forty four. Yeah, he only lived okay. to be forty four. Yeah, God but he damn. started young. But I mean, Smokey Robinson had you know he still has he had a career in the eighties. He was still putting out songs that were that were you know charting high, and that was what twenty twenty five years after his his prime. You know, he could he could age gracefully, and he you know the only thing I heard about George Michael is that he went through some severe depression, and apparently put on a lot of weight due to medication they had him on, which is someone who is who has family members who've been forced to be on medication. I can tell you happens to some people. Oh yeah, that's, that's just a, it's a it's a it's a unavoidable side effect for some people. There's no two ways about it. So. You know, it's, yeah, it's fucked up. Tonight. You take shit for depression, and then you gain weight, and you get more depressed. Yeah, yeah. You know, and <clears throat> I mean, like I had an aunt with a thyroid condition; and she had to take steroids, and she got what they call moon face is the layman's term for it, but it it puffed her face up. Did you look like Kristen Stewart? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to picture. I'm like, no, Chris. She's kind of uh, moon faced, isn't she? She's got that jutting jaw. Oh, you mean like the Mac the Knife commercial face? Yes, yeah. That <laughs> like kind of moon like face? Or the more, waxy moon? <laughs> are you talking about like the um, baboons? Yeah, yeah, like the rounded, yeah, featureless, yeah. you know, face. Right. But yeah, when she went off of them, or when they when they figured out the right dosage, you know, she went back to looking like herself. Same thing happened to Jerry Lewis. If you remember a couple of years during his telethon, he looked. You know, like he put on a bunch of weight, but it was only in his face. He was on steroids. It happens. These are oh, normal yeah, things. Yeah. And I feel bad for people in Hollywood where I guess some people are like, well, fuck them. They got money. 
But I feel bad people in Hollywood because there's so much emphasis put on how you look, especially if you're a musician and you and you haven't built your musical career solely on your looks. If you do have some substance there, if you are a good songwriter, if you are a good performer, artist, all-around musician, and your looks do play a factor into it and they start to go, you start to panic and you overcompensate. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you end up looking like a freak of fucking nature. And I don't think a lot of these people, once you do this to yourself, it's done and over with. It's... It, you're never going to look again like you did when you were 20. That's just the way the world works, man. It's okay to age. No, I mean, never. Well, uh, what else uh, What else about 2016? We talked about the death of celebrities. We talked about the death of truth. I told you to think about this, though, real quick. What's that? We talked about the deaths. If you take a time machine, you go back to, like, 1988. Uh-huh. You know, who's, who's hot? Back to the future. Who, who's hot in the streets? Who's hot right? in the streets? Michael Jackson. In 1988. George Michael. Prince. Samantha Fox. You tell somebody, hey, none of those guys are going to make it to 55. Mick Jagger will have a baby at 76. It will be his eighth kid. And all <laughs> Rolling Stones will still be alive. Blow somebody's fucking mind. Yeah. They'd never believe you're from the future. If you could bet that in Vegas, you'd make a lot of money. You'd be in an insane asylum. You've got to think, too, with a lot of the people who died this year and the way they <laughs> lied. up with the, the big white ball guys. You had a lot of Michael this Jackson. 70s and 80s excess coming home to roost, cardiovascular-wise, I guess. You could probably... Well, the, the, their hearts are like, hey, wait a minute. This is, you can't lay this all on us. <laughs> Prince's heart is like, listen, I can't party like it's 1999 anymore because you were 54. Or 52, right. or however old you are. They probably you have, have a 52-year-old man's now heart, Prince. Uh, like, they probably had 80-year-old men's hearts, and that's why they came out. And livers. Well, I mean, I don't know. The, what goes into the autopsy report? I mean, his heart stopped at some point, right? Yeah, so it was a heart attack. But it was the massive amount of drugs in his system that caused his heart to stop. So... How many other death triangles they, do you think have family members in them? I was going to say, like, looking forward to 2017, just so I'm clear on the rules of playing the celebrity death game, these come in Baker's dozen, right? That's how we chart them? Yeah, no, right. Like, what happened to charting them in threes? I thought we, this was the three. This isn't the three George Michael, Debbie Reynolds, and Carrie Fisher. Is that three? Can we get three more to knock the year out? Just, or? It's gotten so much that it's you can't. It, it's meaningless to quantify it. Can we get the way. Jonas Brothers all at once? Is that is that three? Would that be a triangle? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> where do where do scientists count in that? Only if it's like Stephen Hawking or yeah. Neil deGrasse. You know, There's only Hollywood three scientists, scientists that would matter: Bill Nye, Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson, or Stephen Hawking. What about God? Vera Rubin died recently. She was an astrophysicist. Who? This is a person who had theorized decades ago the existence of gravity waves and lived to see them proven to actually exist. But was she as important as Mrs. Brady? No. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a scientist that first uh, theorized about uh, dark matter. Yes. Wasn't she? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. It took me a second. I was like, I know that name from somewhere. It's it's kind of a it's kind of Wait a sad a statement. No, I think you're right. I I might be getting you confused. I don't. 
I don't think she had anything to do with with gravity waves. I think you're right. It was dark matter. It was dark matter, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of sad that I can... I'm so trained in pop culture, I can instantaneously tell you who did what, who acted in what, what year it happened. But when it comes to shit that should matter, I actually have to go, that name sounds familiar, and then hit my mental Rolodex for a few seconds to actually get to it. Yeah. (laughs) But you know who played drums for Huey Lewis? No. (laughs) That's me. You know, I guess, I guess, Aaron, you said something else have you taken from 2016. What's that? I think it's, uh, for, for better or for worse, I think we've reached, like, peak tolerance for bullshit when it comes to the SJW stuff. Yeah. I, I, the pushback against just, this is the year that people over 35 said enough is enough. I don't because know. well, I mean, because yes, the term millennials has been thrown around for you know X amount of years now, but it's really been this year more than any other year previous that I remember everybody getting on the bandwagon and just hating millennials and just going what Chris said when we first started doing this is you know or at least when I first joined it was one of the first episodes I was on it was called shut the fuck up you know that was the name of the episode and that was just like people just you know these crying ass brats need to shut the fuck up you know you haven't even gotten out of fucking college yet you're already bitching about how the world's unfair you don't know about unfair yet dr dennis leary shut the i fuck don't know up. i mean wow he told me to shut the fuck up no one's ever told me that before but but are you saying that you said that we, we we've reached peak tolerance on this like i I still feel like there's, while I might be hearing from more people who are fed up with it, there's still a lot of support for political correctness. And it's, and it's certainly in the younger generation predominantly, so it's not like it's going away. I'm talking about as far as outside of nece- not necessarily pop culture, I'm talking about, you know, people as far as like, you know, Dr. Jordan Peterson, who is at the University of Toronto and in Canada, they passed that that law. I can't remember the the exact name of the law, but basically, if you misgender somebody, it's considered hate speech and a hate crime and you can be persecuted for it. You can be fined. And if you won't pay the fine or can't, you will be imprisoned. Right. And he just made a stand that he said, you are not going to force me. To use invented words, made up words to refer to people. If someone wants to come to me and ask me on a on a on a person to person basis, right? That's fine. But I I'll be goddamned if I'm going to let the government dictate to me, especially since you can use the word spick, nigger, kike, wop, greaser, cracker, whatever in Canada, and it's not a hate crime. But if you don't use someone's preferred invented pronoun. It's now a crime punishable by imprisonment. Yeah. No, that's what that's I'm talking about as far as tolerance. Because believe it or <laughs> Yeah, so people in power are starting to call some actual bullshit on this. Yes, academics. People yeah. that have they have kept their mouth quiet for fear of being called, you know, uh homophobic, transphobic. That shit is it, it has lost power. Like it even the term SJW is a, is, is 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 it's a it's a it's something you say as a joke. No one that no one that 
self labels as an SJW is taken seriously by most people. I won't say no one, but but most people that hear that, they're like they roll their eyes and they go, "Oh my god, really, really? You're the if you make over thirty two thousand dollars a year in the United States, you're in the top one percent of the world." And if you're going to Yale talking about you need a safe space, you are in the top 1% of the 1% of the entire world. Shut the fuck up. You have nothing to bitch about. Yeah, but I, I guess only time will tell on this, but we'll see where these, these people, like, uh, I don't follow Canadian Shut politics, but up. Uh, what was this guy's name again? Who was taking the stance against the, uh, the law? Hero? Well, it, Mr. Jordan Hero. Peterson. Mr. Hero. Jordan Peterson. Okay, so let's... Let's follow up and see where his career goes politically. Yeah, that's you know the bummer about. Oh, I mean, he he does have tenure at his college, and oh, that's you know, why I said that. Uh, you know, he's he's not. They can't pin him down as a right winger because he's not. They can't pin him down as a left winger. In fact, he came out and said, "I refuse to label myself any of these things. I hold opinions that." I hold. I don't adhere to any ideology. That's the problem. We're right. that's the reason we're in the situation we're in is because of ideologues. Right. Well, you know, this makes me think that we talk a lot about this is the, the post truth society that all that we thought that people would believe the truth and vote for Hillary or at least against Donald Trump, and then we realized when that wasn't true that people are believing. A lot of the things that they read, we labeled this society as post-truth. And this fight, uh, and again, back to the fight against fake news, which is just bullshit. It's just misinformation that's always been out there. What this reads to me, though, is at least now we have the cards on the table as to what we're really talking about, right? Where we seem to keep it very close to the vest, you know, liberals talked to the people in their group and they came to an understanding of what America was like and conservatives did the same thing. And they all showed their cards on election night. Yeah. And when liberals realized that conservatives actually had a stronger hand than they thought, well, now at least we hopefully know where to go from here. We know what the challenge is. We know definitively that racism didn't die with President with uh, President Barack Obama's inauguration. What? And <laughs> I got the memo. I got an email that said, racism over. Congratulations. And so, I, I, as, as a flip side, as a positive to the, 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 post, the death of truth in 2016, I think we get a clear understanding of where to go forward in this nation. I, I, the thing I took from it is that there's a lot more... There. The, the, the farther away we get from the election, the more vocal Trump supporters are becoming. And that's I've noticed that online, which I expected, because they got to gloat, and it's easier to gloat behind a computer screen because it's safer, but also in person. And there's something that I'm seeing that even I didn't count on. There's a lot more younger people that supported Trump than, we were, than was portrayed mm-hmm. in the media, no yeah. matter what spent or slant the media had. Right. There's a lot of young people out there who are college age, who are the quote unquote millennials, who are like, no, we're sick of this ultra left bullshit. We had to suffer through it through high school with zero tolerance, and you can't play fucking, you know, 
dodgeball or whatever. Then we went to college because that's what everyone tells you to do. This is what you're supposed to do. And you're not going to tell me that there's colleges. They're, they're not like, they're not even 50-50. I mean, the percentage is way balanced to the left as far as the, you know, ideologies. Right. Are they they went to college and they learned about how shitty America is and all the horrible things that we've done in our history. and. <clears throat> In the ways that we're subpar to other nations' economies or po- our politics or whatever, that's and then what, they that's get out. Learn in college, you know, they graduate and they go, "Well, fuck this. I'm I'm tired of it. I'm done with it." And something I've heard for years and years, the crit- people who criticize people who protest is, you know, where the fuck are these? Where do these people work? Where they got the free time to just go protest in the middle of a day on a Wednesday? Yeah, I know, right? You know, and I kind of dismissed it as it's kind of a cheap shot. Let's be honest here. If if you're that passionate about something and you have fucking vacation time, you're going to take it. I mean, it's not that hard to take a couple sick days. It does, yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you're that passionate about it, that's that's it becomes more important than going to the Bahamas for a week. Or you, you might even work for a small businessman whose boss is passionate about the cause too, and he's like, "Fuck this!" You know, we're closing up shop today and going to the protest. Oh, definitely, definitely. I have a family member who works for a small business, and they're the owner. They know the owner, and the owner gave everybody on election day the day off. There you go. And he's a, and he's a Trump supporter, right? And he was like, "You're going to go vote. There's no way you're not going. If you don't vote, and I find out, you know, kind of that, and <laughs> right. then dot 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 left it hanging in the air, <laughs> you know, but." I guess what it's really coming down to is a lot of things that I've been told over the years, or, or not been told, but have heard over the years, is really coming is really uh, is is a lot more true than I gave them credit for. Yeah, the the people who supported Trump, they kept it to themselves, but they're also the type of people that yeah, they don't they don't have time to fucking for whatever reason because they want to go on vacation and not take sick days and go to a protest or whatever. They're out there. It's not, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it, it is this kind of, I'm not going to say majority, but it's, it's a very large group and they're, and they're relatively silent compared to their opposition. You know what? Mm-hmm. I, I have because, and, and I'm not even talking Tea Party people. I'm talking people who are even probably more to the right of the Tea Party. You I, know, I had a thought today that yeah, this election, KKK, we get what you mean, kind of <laughs> showed the left ass in a sense that they love to spout platitudes, but when it came to action, what happened? There was no action taken. What happened taken. from what now? I'm saying I had a thought today that this, this election showed the left's ass in the fact that what? the left, the yeah, Democrats. Clear what action from, from the... Voting! When, from was, voting. when it was time to take action... Oh, to actually get out and vote. Yes, when that it, action when of actually getting up and going to the polls. Lots of platitudes, lots of shame on you, lots of... I thought you were talking about from the politicians. Uh, I just with the general left's ass. Yeah, but when it came yes, time yes. to take action and let's do something about it, which side took action? Trump! You know what I'm saying? It, yeah. A lot of the people on the right were playing their cards close to the vest and whatever. I'll, I'll do what I got to do when it's time to do it and... I think there were more calories burned on the left side of the spectrum, shaming everybody. And then when it came down to let's put some uh, money where our mouth is, I mean, we, we we looked at the numbers. People over forty won this election. Yeah, 
But how can you t- how can you draw a straight line there? I mean, you don't know personally somebody who was the line talking is, about you know, voting for Hillary and then didn't. The, no, I'm just you know? saying the line you, is. You're, you, it comes the, down to who is more passionate about their candidate. It's, that's it's how. That's, to, that's what is reflected in your it's, turnout. It's the time to show up and support your side. And when it and when it who came, says they t- didn't though. Th- it just wasn't enough of them. That's, well, that's kind of my point. There wasn't enough of them <laughs> in key in key areas because if we're going on just pure raw numbers, there was more than enough. Let's be honest here. True. You know, I mean, that's just all there is to it. But in 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 the what the left refers to as flyover states, and what the right refers to as their stronghold, there wasn't enough. And part of it is because of the left's arrogance about being those are flyover states. You know, well, and yeah, we, I mean, we've, we've covered this very well, but this is still a very raw, I mean, open wound to a lot of people that are moderates. Fuck the left. When Hillary got up during the debates, she mentioned every single group. She went up there and basically gave a fucking lecture on identity politics and never once mentioned working poor, working class, blue-collar white people. Fuck her. Well, I don't want to get mired in in election talk because this is about the whole year. And that was definitely a major part of it. But I think we've, like Rich was saying, we've covered this ground pretty well at this point. Um I'm interested, though. I want to get back to the, soul, the, the state of the social justice warrior, social justice warrior in 2016, though, because I, I take I take Rich's point as uh, you know some some pushback on it when it when it comes to legislation is definitely positive, but there's a whole other aspect of it that affects our society, and it's a much more person by person aspect, but. Well, to tie it into recent events, the the most uh, Steve Martin tweeted about Carrie Fisher and was accused of being sexist in his tweet and was prompted to then uh, remove the tweet from his Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. And while that in, in one instance in and of itself is minor, it's nothing really. He tweeted a, a thought about somebody who had passed and uh, was shamed and he took it back. But all that activity from these individuals who take it upon themselves to be offended for other people and to try and shame and expose them as uh, whatever catchphrase word you want to put them under as sexist or racist or homophobic, um, that, that goes a long way to policing thought and to policing creativity you know like yeah it's it's nice when we can draw a line and say hey we can't let these certain aspects uh dictate uh laws for the rest of the society right we don't want to be discriminatory we don't want to go yeah i I, well you got the tweet up there rich wow this was offensive he was made to take this down when I was a young man, Carrie Fisher was the most beautiful creature I had ever seen. She turned out to be witty and bright as well. How is that offensive? They, they probably think it, could, it comes off backhanded. Well, I could. That's, look, who who didn't have outside of the people who knew her before she was famous? Who wouldn't have had that? 
can we relationship can, with her. Can we remember one you thing? see her first as this kind of sex symbol. She was a sexy girl with no bra in the sci-fi movie. And can I remind everybody of one thing here, people? What's that? He's a comedian. He makes jokes for a living. You think this is just kind of a flat joke? I think this is Steve Martin trying to be well, like, Steve Martin I, I in the SJW's I don't think any of Steve Martin's jokes would translate to tweets. I don't follow him on Twitter, but I can't imagine a sense of humor. It works well in 140 printed characters on your phone. It is, it is really about his delivery, right? Like if you read a, a transcript of his Get Small album, there's nothing there. It's just what he's talking nonsense. But it... Anyway. Well, you read a transcript of a Rage Against the Machine album, it sounds like fucking black power. <clears throat> the reason, the reason, I, I, this, is, this, is what, this is just what I'm, this is what I'm picking up yeah. from people who's, who would be upset about that type of tweet based upon what they've said about other subjects. You can just say you're pulling this out of your ass, that's fine. It's unregimented. That's our bread and butter here, son. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I, that's all, all I can base on because I can't think of a reason to be upset about that tweet. But the only thing I can think is that he objectified her by talking about he said, her outer beauty before her inner beauty. Right. Because yep. the paragraph right after it says, some called out Martin for focusing on her physical appearance, a topic Fisher spoke out oh, no. against throughout her career. Others noted that Fisher likely wanted to be remembered for more than just being pretty. That's I, what he was getting at! I get where somebody with an agenda could infer sexism from that. I'm not that naive. But I'm just saying, what <laughs> is he supposed to be like, this I, tweet was I had about never seen Star Wars, I never seen in, uh, Return of the Jedi, I just knew her from uh, her writing and hers, I mean, we're back to the, a, the conversation <laughs> where this is the generation where context and irony is dead. This is about the duality of Carrie Fisher. You want me to pull it out my ass? I'll pull it out my ass. Here's the deal. It's the same thing with the breastfeeding th- subject. They, mothers who go, well, I should be able to breastfeed without having to cover up or go into a bathroom in public wherever I want when my baby needs to be fed. It's not sexual. Okay. Well, here's the problem. Breasts are sexual. Okay. They're there, yes. Their primary function in nature is to feed an infant child. Their second primary, their second nature, their second function is to is for sexual attraction. And you cannot demand. Now you can demand a guy keep his thoughts to himself, but you cannot demand a guy doesn't think a certain way. And this is what they're trying to change. They're trying to shame human nature. Out of us, and this is what is this is this no, is where. Wait a minute, I I gotta argue with you on that, Rich. This isn't go a, ahead. This isn't about human nature. It we have men are certainly capable that most of us go around with thoughts of what we would or wouldn't do to women that we come encounter that we uh, encounter on a daily basis and just I'm ha- don't. I'm having some of them right now. Right. <laughs> um, it's. It's not about policing the primal thoughts. It's about policing the creative thoughts. Um, I don't see this as, first and foremost, his first reaction to her was a primal one of how attractive she was back in her day. He was illustrating, I think, in a way that 
Carrie Fisher would as well. Like, I'm not just a pretty face. Yes. Hey, turns out I'm not just that girl in the metal bikini. I've got something else going on in here. This tweet. When you hey, get that's, down to hold it, on, hold on. Aaron, that's what his intentions were. Now, yeah. what were the intentions of the people who started shaming him? Because if we can speculate to his intentions, we should be able to speculate to their intentions. Yeah. I'm waiting. I, I'm just, what's their intentions? Attention? I don't know. Feel better about themselves? Yeah, to, to shit on things? <laughs> okay, well, I mean... I don't know what you're it, looking for. No, I, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is that, okay, we understood what he was saying, or we at least think we understood his intentions. Yes. And then people come out against it, and they're offended, even for whatever reason, whether they, but they it's have not a way the, to or not. It's, okay, but... If, but it, was, if the, it was a primal thought, I would say, yeah, that should be shamed. That's uh, not controlling your primal thoughts is shameful behavior. Uh, not controlling your creative thoughts isn't. Being a little loose with a joke isn't shameful behavior. It may have okay, landed well, wrong. I actually think you guys are getting okay, to but the when same I see, point. When I see, okay, but when I see um, advertisements on websites that have these women with their tits out, and it, and it just says, and yes. you don't see their head, and you don't see... But halfway down their stomach, and it's just their tits, and it says, these are not for you, men. These are not for you. These are not sexual. Are you fucking kidding me? Now, what am I supposed to take? What am I supposed to take from that? What am I supposed to take from that? These people are delusional. If, if, if we all three just took pictures of our cocks fluff <laughs> and put just pictures of our cocks up and said, women, these are not for you. Get these are not sexual. 100, 100 DMs from gay dudes. But, it, it, but doesn't that speak back to... It's 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 an, a part of the body. Look, any part of the body can be can cause sexual attraction. But I people people have ended relationships because the chick's one toe is longer than the other, or their hands are fucked up looking, or whatever the fuck. Okay, and to sit there and go something as as basic on the on the scale of sexual attraction as breast, or go these are men, oh. these are not sexual, these are not for you. But I guess okay, I mean, you're trying to desexualize something that is, by its very nature, there for sexual attraction. That's part of its function. Yeah, but I wasn't trying to talk about radical feminism, just social justice but, warrioring in general. I mean, you could say that's a fa- what you're talking about is a faction of that. But that's but that's who speaks up on these things, man. The average woman's don't she don't give a fuck about this to fucking be offended by that well, tweet. I, I don't I don't disagree with you on your point. I just think that it's a poor argument for you to use your your primal nature as a defense. I'm not using my primal nature as a defense. I'm saying what I guess I, I misspoke. I didn't put it properly. Look, we all know breasts our primary function are to give <laughs> nourishment to a baby. We know that, but we also know they're a lot of fun when there's no babies around. Nourishment okay? to my wiener. That's that's come on, man. Come on. It, I mean, and, and, if, and, if, and if the logic behind that is what part do breasts play in sexual reproduction, then, and if that, and if a woman was to say that to me, then i got to look at her and go, what part does a fucking six-pack play in sexual reproduction on a man to you? Or how, how toned his ass is? Or if he's got a full head of hair? Okay? If you, we can't, you can't just... I think Rich is saying, hey, we're, we're wired to go, hey, she looks pretty, and we shouldn't deny that just based on being politically correct. Like, I guarantee you, it's still okay big... to be like, "Hey, that human is symmetrically and aesthetically pleasing to me." <laughs> like, I get. We're, I we're trying you... to get rid of that. I think is what Rich is getting at. 
I guarantee you if we dig through Twitter, we will find female celebrities that have tweeted about George Michael who mentioned his looks. And I guarantee you no one fucking do a shit fit over it. Yeah, I bet you there's a George Michael's ass tweet coming from a female in the last few days. There's probably a whole fucking subreddit devoted to it. There, I know there's one about, about David Bowie's cock in Labyrinth. <laughs> I actually had a female co-worker show it to me. Look at his dick! Exactly. <laughs> That's actual I mean, audio. It's, it's all... It's just... It's, it's nonsense... And it's a very small portion of society that, for some reason, well, yeah. we just keep giving a fucking voice to. What? Like, they have a voice, but we, we that's wrong. We don't give them a voice. We give them a fucking microphone and an, and, and an audio system and go, go nuts. Right. Why? Well, just look at these people and go, bitch, how the fuck do you think you got here? You, your mother wasn't, it wasn't, behold, a virgin shall conceive. Somebody found her sexually attractive. It happens. I mean, because you don't we're think never your daddy messed up those titties before he messed up that pussy. I, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I, heard he re- I heard he wrecked it, according to mom. <laughs> I mean, but it's like we never really okay. We've we've. When do you ever really hear someone shame gay guys for talking about how hot another guy is? Very rarely anymore, out in the open, at least. Maybe behind closed doors with people who are like really anti-gay. I wouldn't know because I don't even have friends that are that anti-gay. But here's the thing: you can't. You got to be careful. Just saying, "Hey, you look, you look nice today at work." To a female, in fact, the safest thing to do is not even fucking comment on her appearance. Yep. That is ridiculous. Because you're because you're going to tell me that they, that it's equal footing if it's if it's a gay guy and another gay guy walks in. He goes, "Hey, you look handsome today." I, yeah, you just start speaking Let's really. You just start really parsing your language. Hello, fellow human. I find you aesthetically and symmetrically pleasing. I feel like this is where this is like what this is the end game for these people is they they just want us to be genderless, sexless creatures because it makes no other sense. What are they doing this for? Why are they wanting to desexualize things to the point where it's like okay, well, and and this whole gender neutral, gender fluid shit. What is the point of this? It's funny. I well, that, wait, I found out a friend the other day was having a baby, and he's like, yeah, doctor told me today it was a boy. First thing I thought in my mind was, shit, Lord, doctor, signing gender to the... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I started chasing <laughs> down the, the SJW joke. How dare you assign a gender oh, to really? my child? Oh, really? Lord is born. Oh, it's a boy? Oh, did you ask it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? What did you have? That's a his pronoun? Yeah. You have some kind I mean, of psych profile on him already? Yeah. Here's the thing. I see people, you know, there's stories that pop up about people that buy their, like, eight, nine-year-old kid hormones so they can start that's, going through hormone therapy that's to transition. That's playing you know, God. That's here's messing with the body these, before it's These done same people wouldn't, put a, a, wouldn't, wouldn't take their nine-year-old kid to a gun safety course and teach them how to properly handle a handgun because they're not old enough or responsible enough for that. But you're going to give them fucking hormones that are going to radically shift what's going on naturally in their body at that age because they said, I feel like I'm a boy trapped in a girl's body. That's just as bad as plying them with pot from like nine years old on. You're messing with the body's chemistry before it's done cooking. I know it's not a perfect solution, but it's it's one step towards the ultimate goal is that uh, we will be be, uh, conceived in the womb genderless and our, we will have separate sex organs that will be grown separately and kept... You know, until you decide. And, and yes, <laughs> and kept on in jars. 
and then you can assign. You could even, you might even be able to swap them. They're going to run out of big black cocks could, really quickly. If we could, that's going to just be the option. I want the biggest blackest cock. I mean, we could if make, you choose male. If they could make this modular, then we could just swap. It would be meaningless. Cloning Jonah Falcon's yeah. penis. You know, as 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 much as we say this, and I like this idea, it, and, I, and you go, you don't give them to the, the kid until they're responsible enough, right? Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that reminds me of the old Sam Kennison bit. The best thing about marriage is yes. the best thing about marriage is that your dick is attached because if it wasn't, your wife would never let you leave the house, guys, night out with it. Like you'd have to beg her, like, "Honey, they're all taking, they're all taking theirs. She's gotta take mine." Yeah, what she do you said need? No fucking way. She what said it? the dick stays here. What do you need it for? Well, I just feel weird without it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Well, I, I like it. Fucks with I my like, gate. I like using the urinal. That's fine. You can sit down. The bathrooms are really nasty. Just come on. Just let me take the small one. <laughs> I mean, we say we say all this, and we say it. Look, we say all this, and we say it with tongue in cheek, and we're cracking jokes. How many sci-fi novels have predicted stuff along, or writers or novels or however you want to look at it, have predicted stuff along these lines? Philip K. Modular Dick. (laughs) Hey, remember the movie Gattaca? How how far along do you think until that shit starts? Yeah. Ten years. So the elite can, can be able to start basically getting rid of anything that's considered an imperfection from their children, and these elite children are even more pretty and and even more we have we have know, a rudimentary two, 200 pounds perfect we feel like we we've decoded the human genome and we feel like we understand all of it and because we can identify these little parts as uh representing certain possible defects they are already starting to test for that and have parents make decisions based on that as to whether to take a child to term Based on evidence of, well, we see this uh, genetic sequence here in the DNA of your in utero child. And uh, that means that it could develop into, take your pick, some form of uh, MS or maybe Down syndrome. syndrome. Absolutely. And, I mean, if you want to talk about (laughs) genetic manipulation, I mean, it's something that we. We're almost, I hate to say, born to do. We were bred to do. Like, <laughs> that is what sets us apart. What is the from- ultimate goal of, of what is the ultimate goal of being of being a self aware human? To prevent or or put off dying as long as possible. Yeah, yeah. That is but, the ultimate goal. But That's we the also reason do we have survived as long as we have. But we do also have uh, evolution has has given us uh, an instinct to uh, leave something better for the next generation and to make that next generation, you know, outside of just, oh, sex feels good and that's like tricking people into making babies, there is a, an inbuilt instinct to carry on the, the, uh, the race, and I, I, I'm just saying, like, if you want to, if you want to criticize genetic ma- manipulation, then you, you have to criticize who people pick as their sexual partners or their people, the people that they reproduce with, you know, because that's genetic manipulation, even as well. But on the fringes, you choose of the to, SJ- you're white, and you choose to fuck a white person, so you you choose to make a white baby. On the fringes of the SJW crowd, or not, we've covered this before. We've yes. covered this before. That there's to them, there's no such thing as preferences. There's only such thing as sexual uh, uh, prejudice. 
if you say you're not attracted to someone of an opposite race in general, okay, I mean, like nine times out of ten. I can't say I don't find Mexican girls attractive without being well, no, racist. It, but, okay, well, see, if you say, say you find them attractive. There wouldn't then, be Mexican girls that aren't attractive. Here's, but here's what I'm getting at. Here's what I'm getting at. If you say yes. you find them attractive, you're fetishizing them. Oh, If you right. say you don't find them attractive, <laughs> oh, then you're a racist. Wow. You can't win. That is the game they're trying to set up. This is what I'm talking about. The world's worst pushback. game show. You can't win. <laughs> exactly. This is what I'm talking about against the pushback, against this type of totalitarian thinking coming from this group. People are going, you're so full of shit. As Chris loves to say, your heads are so far up your own asses, the only thing sticking out of your asshole are your shoes anymore. Right. I mean, it's just, it's insanity. What, and and in ultimate, you, you have, ultimately, you have to stop and you have to go, what is your end game? What is your utopia? What are you fighting so hard for? Tell me. And the only thing I can, I can extrapolate from their actions and their words is a completely genderless, sexless, everybody's completely equal. There are no winners. There are no losers. We're just an uh, entire world of mediocrity. That's it. We're, you know where we are? We've become a whole society of the Prius we're, drivers from you, South Park. Yeah. We're a 40-degree day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from ocean to, sh- <laughs> from sea to shining so sea. And I'm tired of these 40-degree days. <laughs> so, you try, yeah, so you try and judge people into behavior that... And you're trying to judge people into not judging other people, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if we were... Meta-judging. If we really wanted to call them what they are, let's just judging call them social, judging crime. social judgment warriors. Yeah. Because it's not it's justice co- anymore. It's a term and we're coining it. Yeah, that is. Social judgment warriors. Because all they do is sit around. And what's funny is it was born out of the same PC culture that was, right. you don't judge me. Well, okay, so to, to widen this conversation a little bit here then, because this does go beyond a tactic that social justice warriors that we'll call them uh use is to parse language how they understand the world and not how the world understands the world right um that you know there's nothing inherently wrong with uh, i believe with uh the tweet about carrie fisher but if you have an agenda you have an easy way to parse it so that it fits your agenda. Um, there, the mo- another more recent example is uh, the New York mayor. Bill de Blasio? He's getting a lot of shit. Did you read about this one? What did he do? Let me type him into Twitter, or into the Google search, <laughs> see what comes up. He said, uh, he, I mean, where, where was he at? The crowding of the crossroads of the world to usher in the new year. Oh, that's, yeah. I didn't know that was the crossroads of the world, Times Square. That was, a, that was a term I was unfamiliar with. So he's talking about the big ball drop in Times Square. And he says, New Year's Eve, we expect, as per usual, over a million people. I'm not quite sure why a million people want to stand in the freezing cold for long, long periods of time. But they do, and we will be ready for them. That's the statement that he is getting in trouble for. Wait, what? Yes. For talking bad about people who want to celebrate New Year's Eve out in the cold. And 
the middle of Times Square. Come on, asteroid. You feel like, like you did, where are you? Like you're missing something there. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> making a comment about why did people want to stand out in the cold? I don't know. I don't know, but we'll have we'll be ready for them. I feel like if I was reading this story online, I would back up because I'm like, I missed a paragraph. What's what am I missing here? Yeah. Right. No, I did. I kept reading for the. Quote Does he go on and rail against Jews for three paragraphs yeah. after that? Or I was like, here's the quote. He got. Wait a minute. No, that can't be the quote. Does he go Where's on the a actual quote? White power rant for next six paragraphs, or is there something we're missing? So, yeah, I don't know. If you don't like Bill De Blasio, you go. Why is he talking shit about people who just want to celebrate the new year? Why is he hating on people? Why do you care? It would be my question to that person. What? How does this affect your life? So You're all a bunch of fucking idiots! It's not... Like, fake news has nothing to do with it because it's about... You're talking to groups of people, and I'm not even talking about on one side or the other. It's just across the board... People put themselves in these groups that all have the, all think the same way, and they only let in the information that already lines up with the beliefs that they have already, as a group, agreed on. However big or small that group is. How dare a, def- a different thought that differs from our ideolog- ideals get into our brains and possibly <laughs> give us some thought for well, yeah. maybe seeing the other side and understanding where if the they, other person is coming from if their information was truly Horrors. if their information was truly fair and balanced they would spend all of their time setting up safe groups and uh, or what do they do not safe groups safe spaces say with me now setting jerk, up safe spaces jerk off into a ceiling fan that's what it all is initiating trigger warnings for all content it's a society of the prius drivers from south park it's a bunch of people walking around farting into cups smelling it and loving every second of it like where has all this self-righteousness come from because when you go out it ain't outside you walk down the street it ain't there people ain't sticking up for each other people ain't being nice to each other where's it so where's this all coming from i worked in new york for two years people will tell you to fuck off before they'll tell you anything else right but yet online Everybody loves everybody. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any direct proof, but I'd have to assume just based on the numbers that some of the people that are telling other people that uh, they're discriminating against others or being hateful in their language are the same ones that are cutting me off in traffic. It just has to line up at some point. You know? I know, right? There's so many asshole drivers out there and so many asshole opinions. Like, I know. I don't, I don't know for sure. That you preach for uh, acceptance online and then flip people the bird while you're behind the wheel. But it has to happen. Well, that's great. Hey, this year is going to be just a little bit longer. We're, get, we're getting a leap second thrown in to balance mm-hmm. out time. <laughs> oh, time no. our, or should I say our perceived uh, time with how time actually passes. What if somebody fucked up dies in that extra second? <laughs> What are you going to do with your extra second? Take one extra hit. <laughs> <laughs> take an, yeah, take a, take a second extra drag on that fucking Have enough time to think. Long. I was going to do something here. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoops, well, it's gone. I'm going to see if I can make mine disappear completely into a nitrous balloon haze. <laughs> Just to say, fuck you. I do not accept your extra second. I'm going to time travel a second into the future. Or see God. 
one or the other. It's almost been my extra second. <laughs> Force your extra second upon me. No, honestly, out of any of the... Don't not time that I've, rape me. Not that I've done all the drugs, but I've done a fair amount. And out of all the ways to... If your intention was to escape Shoot. reality... Like, people talk about drugs that is an escape from reality. I don't think... Smoking pot, you're not escaping any reality. So you could argue some enhance your reality. <laughs> yeah. But, you take the right acid. Um, and, I, yeah, I don't know. What was I saying? Drugs? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Nitrous really does, like, I feel, transport you to another reality. Now, I've never done DMT. Yeah, I hear that one a lot. Like, but it's so, it's so brief. No, I don't know. I have a friend yeah. who swears he met God on nitrous. I had a friend who has a scar on his face from nitrous. Nitrous, nitrous takes you out of. Takes, oh yeah, I've got one right here. Takes you out of the room and and reality you're in at the moment, kind of like okay. salvia. Because, salvia lasts for like ten minutes, though, right? Maybe. But isn't nitrous? Isn't that generally asphyxiation? What's going on there biologically? <laughs> well, so before we wrap up today's uh, talk about the the year in review. The final, po- and final podcast Let's of the year. Let's talk about yeah, the final podcast of the year. We, you know, this was a milestone year for us in that we had just last episode celebrated our five hundredth pot five hundredth podcast on Christopher Media. And we brought Network. this bitch back, and it's been doing bang up. I mean, we've every yeah, month. This is a good year for us. It yeah. seems every the month resurgence of unregimented and just to every, grave. as a group. Every month is the next is our best month ever for like the last six months. Each podcast. It's good to see a positive response. Growth. So that's certainly good. Uh, but not just, well, maybe it, with the podcast, but just in general. What do, you, what do you look forward to in 2017? Do you think there's, what are some positive things that you think could, uh, could come to pass next year? I know I'm really reaching. And I'm <laughs> like I said, all the, ar- all the armed forces in the police will have one uniform they'll all be easy to identify <laughs> yeah the, the nazis man i've been watching man in the high castle the nazis may have been evil but they, they, were, they were sharp dressers and they were they were organized so there's something to why is it there's something to that show that all the best actors are either japanese or Ger- or nazi not i can say there's German, something to be said for nazis. planning and execution and i don't mean the killing of all the jews i mean you know all the revolutionaries are like super bland characters like they want us <clears throat> all the, the 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 nazis are not only have a good troop of actors in the cast but are all snap snappy dressers and so are the Japanese, by the way, always in suits and shit, really dressed nicely. Aaron, my 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 grandfather fought in World War II, despised Nazis, but he even said this. He said, "Couldn't can't stand Nazis." And he did make a different. He did differentiate between a German soldier who was forced to fight and Nazis, because Nazis were like the very enthusiastic. You had to join the Nazi party, and it, you know. Right. That was different there, than normal German soldier. Right. There was the true believer, and there was it's better than being in a camp. Exactly. Um, but he even said, he goes, God damn, they had some of the best looking military uniforms in history. Yep. All, I mean, <laughs> a lot of what made the Nazis successful was based around marketing. Yeah. That, it, was that's, an, it was an image. They were the kiss of... Uh, of, oh, of world Christ. powers. What is fucked up? Is, were. Come on. What is fucked up? Did, is, did Hitler have right. a panty room? <laughs> <laughs> I know that. 
They were just huge panties. I know that most of the, I think, well, any of the members, not just anyone Jewish, but anyone would be offended that they were compared to the, as the Hitler of bands, but. Did Himmler have the panty room? <laughs> Who had the panty room in the, in the greater right? <laughs> well, is something I think a lot of people missed in, uh, Inglorious Bastards was the fact that the Germans were using film as propaganda like they were. That is not bullshit. Oh, in fact, no. I think that gets downplayed in the history books. Unless you really, on your own, go to start digging deep into World War II history. Because right. that was a huge part of the Nazi propaganda machine. And I'm surprised that they don't refer to that uh, a lot in the Man in the High Castle. Because that's film is a major uh, plot point for for the story that happens in that world. And maybe it's just to delineate to show that, like, you know, the films that you're seeing in the show exist in this world and not to confuse it with Nazi propaganda well, film. Wasn't the beginning of the but, first episode like a propaganda film from the, the Greater Reich? Yeah, but it was... But, I the, don't, but, the, but an American one? Like it was kind of setting right. up what had happened? Yes, but it was still a film that existed only in that universe. I'm saying to not tie that into oh, to, not to, to the real shit, right? Gotcha. To that ha- be such a uh, a part of the history of the Nazi propaganda in real life, and to not tie that directly into how this film propaganda affects the the this fictional world, I thought was surprising. But anyway. Hey, what other podcast is oh, going to be saying? Five minutes 2017. Yeah, we'll get some good TV shows, I'm sure. Oh, there's a lot of them out there. Oh, season, I ran across a couple. Season four. Silicon Valley. Yeah. Silicon Valley. How the fucking you're supposed to say it. Yeah, you know. Archer, yeah. season, eight, Archer season eight. The, oh, yeah, the right. beginning of the final season for Rick Game and of Morty. Thrones. Rick and Morty. Game of Thrones, you're saying, Rich? The beginning of the final season. Yeah, I think they're going to pull out the Sopranos and break it up over two years, though. It's going to be like, what is it, what is it season seven? It'll be like season seven A, season seven B, ooh, that will come ooh, along ooh, in 2018. Mr. Robot season three. Well, yeah, regardless of how they break up season-wise, I think they're going to be continuously in production for two years. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like that's there's not going to be a break in between in order to get this shit done. But what they have planned is rumored to be just astounding. I mean, on the level of shit, like Lord of the Rings movies shit. I swear to God, season three, Mr. Robot, they better fill in that huge giant plot hole of the of what happened between Tyrell and Elliot the night of the hack. Right. Because that's the one huge hole they did not fill in in season Asshole. two. The writers are such assholes, man. I thought the rule was if you show the gun in Act 1, you had to... Well, I guess we did see... We knew it went off So it, in Act 3, essentially, of the season, which would be the finale of that first well, no, season. No, it ends Elliot holding his belly bleeding. Right, but we don't... But we don't know if it's real. That's true. We don't know any of the... Yeah. Because <laughs> remember when Christian Slater shot him, he's sitting there holding a wound in his head, but right. it wasn't there. Yes. Ah, the damn it! You're right. We're 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 are we're trained in this show to not accept anything as real until we are given absolute confirmation, which basically means his sister sees it too. <laughs> if his sister sees it and knows what's going on, then it's real. If we're just j- using Elliot as our only view of this world, we can trust nothing of what we see. 
Yeah, it's a lesson I've taken away from season two. Hey, can we get a can we get a uh, can we get a real time check on Stan Lee? <laughs> still, still, still alive. See that? <laughs> Is he still here? I'd like to <laughs> take credit as starting this movement of ma- making sure that Stanley is okay. I know they're, do- they're doing it with Betty White as well as a running joke, but I said uh, a while back on one of our podcasts that, uh, that he was the one to watch for. Apparently there's a GoFundMe page to raise money to have... To make uh, sure that Betty White's okay? Yeah, to hire like yeah. bodyguard, 24-hour bodyguards until the new year <laughs> for Betty White. Right. Because because random violence is what killed all of our celebrities so far. Yes, like, like Betty White's gangster out there. She's putting work in the streets, you know? Like, right. More like send, she, send Dr. Drew over and make sure she's not using in some fashion or abusing her prescription right. drugs or have some wacky doctor that's in, giving her information. A real-time search on Google and Stan Lee and hitting the news tab. Uh, last thing is former Marvel legend Stan Lee. Or no, sorry, four Marvel Le- I said former. Damn it. I said four Marvel Legends, Stan Lee, birthday wishes galore. So as of 1130 yes, on f- December 30th. Stanley's Lee's Stan Lee's still going to make it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to check on Keith Richards. Just c- <laughs> You never know. <laughs> the, the Grim no. Reaper could find. He's like- got to be. They promised him he could cameo as Adam Warlock in the Infinity Gauntlet movie. The Grim Reaper could finally even things out for this year and go, I'm going to take one that makes sense. Come on, Keith. Let's finally do this dance. Keith Richard's still all right. Yes. Should we check on Betty White? No, let's not. This is going dark. Yeah. Anyone who says, whose reply to Keith Richard's death once it happens is being shocked is a liar. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you could not say that with a straight face. Yeah, but anything, any headline that will have Keith Richards' death and shocked in it will be like, shocked Keith Richards didn't oh, die sooner. Yeah, Alan Rickman. Yeah, I, I did find a full list from this year so far. Who else is on there? In January. I don't know all these names. It started with, with people you've heard of. I hate to sound like this, but... Started, Dan Haggerty. David Bowie was... January 10th. Glenn Fry. Glenn Fry. Ava Vagoda. That was just January. Jeez, we're not even out of January yet. Huh? When, did Gary, when did Gary Shandling die? It, uh, was, the, it was this year, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, February, uh, Maurice White, uh, Joe Alasky, the guy who succeeded Mel Blanc uh, as Looney Tunes voices. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anton Scalia, you know, Vanity. Who? Van, wasn't she a prince protege? Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Harper Lee. Harper Lee. That puts out a second book, and we're done. See ya. <laughs> no kidding. Gil Hill. <laughs> Is that fucking Foley out here? Out there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> March. Uh, country people care about Joy Fleek. Nancy Reagan. Nancy Reagan. George, George Martin. Martin. Let's see. George Martin was this year. I thought George Martin had been dead for a minute. Yeah. Keith Emerson, Frank Sinatra Jr. Frank Sinatra Jr. lived to be... Rob Ford made it to 46 years old. I know, right? Before his gigantic heart finally gave up. Fife Dog. Finally succumbed yeah, to he gravity. He a lot of living in there. Sure did. Joe Garagiola or Gary lives in those 40 years. Gary Shanley. Fife Dog, man. That, okay, so... The five-foot assassin. Second, second 
next to David Bowie, most affected celebrity death. Fife Dog definitely hit me. Keith Emerson hit me pretty hard, too, actually. I'm a big fan. Merle Haggard. That's another one. Yeah, Merle Haggard was definitely on the list of... I thought that guy was already dead. He was on the list with Abe Vigoda. Yeah. Like, oh, he's still alive? I hate to say it, but he was. Uh, Doris Roberts. China. Prince. Because we're in April now. China had the misfortune of dying the day before Prince. Lonnie Mac McIntosh. I have a feeling like we're supposed to know... Lonnie Mac, yeah. Uh, he wrote the song Wham, uh, Strike Like Lightning. Ba- one, of the, one of the older blues guys that Stevie Ray Vaughan produced his album in the 80s. Oh, okay. Second career. Come on, browser. Be quicker. So that's what we're looking forward to in 2017. William. It's not possible that this many famous people could die. There's only so many famous people. Dude, right? we're in like May. I'm just trying to bring a song up right now to be a smartass. We're gonna have to. We're gonna run out of famous people. We're gonna have to start importing Mexicans. Oh, to do the job. There's gonna be a wall in the way. There's gonna be a problem. We're gonna have to start promoting reality stars. There you go. Okay, okay speaking of, speaking of speaking of Mexicans and older celebrities, <laughs> Chris, I know you, you. This is all. I don't know, Aaron. I don't know if Aaron's on the same page as you and I, but. It, Okay, when that shit with what's his face, uh, Richard Marks, you hear about that? He got like in a scuffle on an airplane. Oh yeah, yeah right. Uh, what were the circumstances though? Dick I don't Marks. Okay, he was he was <laughs> he was basically there was a, a, a passenger got unruly and he Call helped a mushroom to, stamp to restrain them, I guess. But the thing that stuck out to me was that one that he's married to Daisy Fuentes. <laughs> yes, and two, she is Boom. fifty and still looks good as fuck. Oh God, yeah, dude, she was. I love Daisy Fuentes. That, oh my God, I'll take yeah. it back. I do like Mexican girls. <laughs> Does that make me not racist anymore? Yes, she's a pretty white looking Mexican. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know what nationality she is. Honestly, she's Cuban. She's Cuban. Okay. She would be offended. Is hot a nationality? Yeah, I think Cuban counts. Whatever. You know what the joke used to be? <laughs> when I lived in Florida, the joke used to be, you know, people from up north would come down and they didn't know any better. And they go, oh, so you Mexican? And they go, Puerto Rican or I'm Cuban. And then eventually you'd hear, you know, your friends go, but that's okay. We're just tropical Mexicans. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like... You guys said it, and they're like, eh, now you hang with us, you're allowed. You, you get a pass on that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. She's still fine as a motherfucker. She's, dude, she is, man. It is. God damn. That woman. Mm. Yeah. And if she's had some work done, then they did a really good job. Dude, I'd give her, like, the best, like, two minutes of her life, man. <laughs> I'd sexually disappoint the shit yeah. out of you for a good 30, 40 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's had more than two minutes of relief after you left. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's like <laughs> there's people on this list, and I'm like, oh, they died this year. The Patty Duke, Patty Duke, Morley Safer, Muhammad Ali. Yeah, that's the big one in June. Gordy Howe was in June. Yeah, Gord- yeah, uh, Muhammad Ali and Gordy Howe in the same death triangle. And, uh, so fucking stop it with this shit, yeah. will you? What? We'll, 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 put a, we'll put a dog with some big eyes on the screen. Uh, Christina Grimmie. I mean, that was the chick that got... Sh- that's the chick who got overshadowed by the the club shooting. 
Is this the? Uh, this is the. Minute, are you playing? Are you playing? And bass remix. This is, this is the Skrillex remix. <laughs> what are you playing? Apex Twin versus <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin. It's like Sarah oh, McLaughlin, but it's skipping, so it sounds like the Skrillex mix. I just thought at first. I'm like, did I hear Sarah McLaughlin? Is that yeah. what I heard? Yeah, I'm being a smart. I'm being smart assical. <laughs> Jesus. Gary Marshall died. We're only in June, guys. Oh, let, well, we don't. Let's just stop. <laughs> no, this is Pat news Summit, Buddy Ryan. Yeah, I know it's not sporty, but the sports world lost, lost a lot of name brand people in this year. Alexis Arquette. Hey, I wanted to ask you guys a sports question. Kenny Baker. Okay, what's up? What's this shit about? Uh, I can't even remember enough about it to relate it. Somebody talking some shit about uh, steroids in sports. Uh, and, you're going to really have to be a little bit more specific, dude. And how, <laughs> uh, and how there's a lot of, they were saying that there were a lot of basketball players that were into it. Do they not test basketball players for steroids? They, testing for anything in the NBA is really fucking sketchy. That's what I, he was... From, from what I remember here, this gentleman was who had some experience in the industry said that it that it was rampant in there and that they're not testing for it in any competent way. Maybe I could see maybe HGH as far as like to help you recover from an injury, but yeah. you really don't want to be a real big bulky guy. I mean, well, you can do different things. With, you can do different things with steroids, and yeah, uh, you want to. You want you want more like a form- muscle endurance and be able to bounce back from injury quickly. Are we Are we going to hit a point at in the near future where we have some acceptance of of steroids when introduced uh, appropriately? Oh, I think so. In in sports across the board, I guess is what I'm saying. I think so. Is I, there think the first, have to be- I think the first domino that needs to fall in that one is the Olympics. Well, that Russia had a big scandal. They're looking at they have already lost and and looking at the possibility of losing most of the medals that they took home in the last Olympics due to uh, a scandal with. Well, I guess every country is responsible for drug testing their own uh, athletes. <laughs> and Russia always goes, "Yep, we're clean." Right. So, <laughs> like. You know, billions of dollars go to this group of people who decide where the election gets held. Ourselves, nudge, gets, nudge. gets held uh, every every four years, but we can't we can't, we can't fund uh, a decent test that isn't uh, a non a nonpartisan testing uh, testing formation. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Just to give context <laughs> what to what, where this comes you know, from. Like, shouldn't, they, shouldn't there be somebody involved in the Olympics testing these athletes and not just the home countries testing their own athletes? Like the Olympic Committee just, should just, be administering the just, drug tests? Yeah, just trusting Russia to do the right thing. Yeah, the, the problem is, is that the Olympic Committee isn't exactly... Their hands aren't exactly all that clean either. I mean, there's a lot of bullshit yeah, that goes into... Goes into you know, what countries and cities get Olympics, and there's a lot of garbage that goes into... Because yeah. all those... Well, it's the same with FIFA. City gets I mean, the FIFA, I mean, FIFA has the same thing that's ridiculous. They have to build all their stadiums and everything they're going to use new. Right. Uh, and to, so those and end up being wastelands. Yeah. Because no one's going to use them. Who the fuck's going to use them after they leave? Nobody. 
By the way, I to, know. Gi- to give the listeners some context, instead of Aaron going, some guy said something about steroids and yes. sports. Did you find some actual facts? Yes. Uh, the article that came out this week, uh, I'm good. this is from, from the MercuryTimes.com. Uh, former NBA coach George Carl wrote that it is obvious some of our players are doping in a new book titled Furious George, My 40 Years Surviving that's, NBA Divas. That's what it was. Clueless GMs and Poor Shot Selection. Yep. Uh, he says, I'm talking about performance-enhancing drugs like steroids, human growth hormones, and so on, Carl wrote. Uh, it's obvious some of our players are doping. How are some guys getting older, yet thinner and fitter? How are they recovering from injuries so fast? Why the hell are they going to Germany in the off season? I doubt it's for the sauerkraut. Yeah, and I can tell you right now, we're going to be talking about that George Carl book on uh, Sporgy. Yeah. He, he, he dumped in, that, in that, that book, apparently, and there is a lot of people pissed off. So... <clears throat> yeah, that doesn't really shock me that he come out and said that because he pretty much is Aaron. Everybody's dirty laundry in that book, from what I'm gathering. I don't know, but from, if you notice, somebody you notice, who he did, say, he did say what I said. He said he's noticing guys that are getting older, getting thinner, recovering from injury quicker. Mm-hmm. They're not exactly bulking up. It's not like they're they're not power lifters out there. One, your knees can't handle it with all that running, and two, if you Speed is speed still kills in the NBA, and if you're a center, yes, you want to be a, like you know. The center is usually the big, tallest, toughest guy on the team. However, you still have to have agility to go along with it. If you're just a big pillar, you know, stone pillar out there, you're not very much help. Let's put it that way. Well, man, we talked about it on Sporgy as well, man. Look at uh, the the. Barry Brown, Barry Browns, Barry Bonds, and Mark McGuire—guys who started putting up crazy numbers at the time in their career when you're supposed to be declining. These guys are all of a sudden, their heads got twice as big, and all of a sudden they're putting up numbers they haven't put up since they were in their rookie year. That is a dead giveaway, too. That is that is that is the smoking gun. You your head does not get two three sizes fitted hat bigger as you get older. Unless you are on some form of steroids, that is bottom line. There's no argument. There's no debate. Well, also, so, if there's steroids, if there's not steroids involved in your organization, then nobody's going to hear about it. And if there are, somebody's going to leak it eventually, right? And I don't. I, that's one thing. I again, coming from somebody who doesn't pay attention to this shit overall, I've never heard of a story of false accusations of steroid use. People will deny up and down, left and right, about shit they did or didn't do, or who knew what was being injected where. But at the end of the day, yeah, if you want to it hear was it. still Mr. Wideback, turns out, actually did steroids. <laughs> well, this is, this is why I say in, the base, in, in baseball, baseball's been around for so long, you have different eras. You know, there was yeah. what was once called the dead ball era. It's called the mitt era. You know, hey, and then there was there was the, catching this ball with a bare hand sucks. <laughs> and then there was there was the, you know, the then they went under the helmet. Then there was the pitching era, and then there you know, et cetera, et cetera. I just think mid eighties till mid two thousands, it's just it's the steroid era. Just admit it. Yeah. Just it's part of the game. It's been known that these that, that baseball players for years have been taking amphetamines of some sort, speed. It's a grueling season. In six months, they play 162 games. They usually get one to two days off per week. That's it. And that's with travel. 
you know, so they're constantly on speed. This has been since the 30s, 40s, 50s. That's accepted. Those players are in the Hall of Fame. And there's this real pushback from the, the purest of the, in the sport saying, well, the, mm-hmm. the steroid guys don't need to be in the Hall of Fame. Well, here's the deal. You look at the superstars that were in the Hall of Fame and the numbers they put up. But the truth is, if 70% of the league was on steroids, then everybody's numbers went up. Right. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And the people who didn't go to superstar status, they just didn't have the natural ability to. No one who took steroids all of a sudden started playing at a level that didn't make sense that their natural uh, you know, na- <laughs> natural ability was, was there. Barry Bonds was a <laughs> Hall of Famer before he ever took a steroid. Right. Mark McGuire could hit a ball 500 feet before he ever took a steroid. You know, it's just they got better at what they did. That's it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it, it's one of those issues like we were talking about with genetic manipulation. Um, it's very similar to that, actually, in my mind. We, we have to understand at a certain point that people are going to be driven to do this. I think it is in our nature in the way that we have, as a species, taken control of our evolution to go that next step of manipulating the bodies that we have and the bodies that we will uh, give birth to in the future and to try and give some advantage to, uh, to, to both generations. It's, it's something that you really can't fight. You, we can only hopefully get ahead of it and try and do it in reasonable ways. Right? This whole idea of, I mean, America is way behind the ball in stem cell re- research thanks to George Bush still. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not stemming the flow of progress overall. Well, it might, it might uh, you could argue that with the participation of the U.S. and government funds and U.S. doctors that maybe uh, stem cell research could have gotten farther than it has now. Maybe not. Um, we don't always have the, the smartest doctors and scientists. <laughs> uh, actually, we're showing that we're, we're not attracting the smartest and, and uh, most knowledgeable doctors and scientists anymore. But uh, yeah, it, it's just one of these issues that we have to accept this as human nature. Um, it's the same as arguing against like our, our having cell phones, smartphones, good or bad, computer time, is, is it good or bad? It's an ine- inevitable part of our evolution as humans. And if you're, just con- if you're arguing against it, it's not only pointless, it does nothing to set some sort of precedent or some sort of rules that make sense to follow, right? If instead of accepting this and saying, well, people are going to, athletes are going to take steroids. Uh, Mothers and fathers are going to want to have a decision on how healthy they can make their child be. And kids are naturally going to be drawn to electronic devices. (laughs) If you just rail against it, if you say to your kid... No, my kids don't have cell phones. You don't get any computers. You don't play video games. You read books like I did and go outside and play. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. But what do you get when that kid finally has its own resources and ability to think for itself? Somebody who binges on... You get Donald Trump for president (laughs) is what you get. Well, no, you you get... Think about what you just said. You get rebellion. Yes. You get rebellion. And when you fight against these ideas and and try and say that the rules are that this is 
implicitly wrong behavior and that nobody should be doing it, then you, and you're fighting against human nature, <clears throat> that you are setting yourself up for an inevitable rebellion of some sort. You bring up a very good point. And, 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 and you lose control <clears throat> of the situation rather than guiding it through uh, having our laws, our mores, our, our society reflect us as a changing and evolving people. Okay, you bring up you bring up a very good point because it's in. in uh, not going to go too deep into the personal side of it, but yeah, um, I still have friends who uh, I talk to that you know I was in rehab with, and they prescribe to the the very traditional AA version of their sobriety, and in AI in AA you're constantly told. If you use, you will die. You know, there's only three places you're going to end up if you take a drink. It's jail, an institution, or death. You know, and <clears throat> one of the things that happens is that when people go out, when they relapse, they think, oh, my God, I've thrown away all this clean time. I better make it worth my while. And they go whole hog. Right. And I have a friend who actually ended up in a hospital in a coma for 10 days because he, he binge drinks so hard on a three-day bender, he went and and Were I'm they, not laying that at the feet of AA, but I, they, it, 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 I, in fact, I'm just saying, when you're constantly told if you drink, you will die, and you, and, and it's an it's an, an extreme, you know, it's either you have nothing or you go whole hog. Then when you get that in your mindset when you finally do cross over the line or get that freedom and you start drinking, the tendency to to binge drink to the point where you end up in the hospital in a coma becomes more likely. And it's yeah. that's that's human nature. If someone tells you you can't do something, that's what you want to do. Why well, do you there's, think there's something outside of that, though. That When you talk about human nature... I'm sorry, go ahead. I think Catholic girls are the biggest sluts. There you go. Uh, I'm the, not, I say that with tongue-in-cheek and uh, serious. I've, I've heard that one of the most dangerous times for an addict... And tongue-in-their-cheek. ...is that... So is that night or day before they make the decision to seek help or go into some sort of recovery program. Because they want that one last, one last go right. Yes. They want it and they want to make it count. And that's where you see a, a spike in overdose deaths. And also, you also have to think of like, so it's Mark a guy Lee, like leaving rehab for one more. So, hit. so I get your point. I, but it, I think you have to accept that that is also that is tied in with human nature and not just at the fault of the perceived shaming by AA. That, that uh, well, no, no. What I'm saying is is that if it's it's like you were talking about, if you have a kid and you go, you're not going to have video games, you're not going to have a cell phone. But when they do get a cell phone, most likely they're one going to hide it from you. They're two, right? They well, become that... obsessed with using it because it's something they're not supposed to do. So the taboo gives it that extra excitement right. of doing it. Right. This, and it gives them a better chance of becoming addicted to it. The smarter people that I've heard rush. make re recommendations on issues when it comes to children and electronics say, absolutely, your, your kids should be exposed to them. And how else are you going to be able to be involved in what they're exposed to? Exactly. <clears throat> Which is, to some parents, just a reminder that this device, just like the television wasn't, is not a babysitter. And yet we still make... Uh, it's still right to the FCC about the Walking Dead. 
That blows my mind. That person works for a major metropolitan newspaper and has no idea how the FCC works. That blows my god. But it goes deeper than that. She doesn't know how parenting works. I know, right? You are concerned about what your kids are consuming when it comes to any media? Then be active in it. That's all you can do. Well, it's also... Know what they're watching, know what they're consuming, <clears throat> and take action on it if it's not appropriate for your own kids, not make decisions for everybody else's. You might have to hang out in the room an extra five minutes to check out what your kid is watching. We don't have time for that. At, th- it's, it's at also, this point, you might have to learn how to speak a different language. Taking, taking an active interest in what your child is doing is a lost start on some people. They think if they walk in and they stick their head in the room, you know, every on uh, you know every half hour of what their kids are watching TV and and watch for you know sixty to ninety seconds, and they know what's going on. Right. You know, like case in point, my my little brother growing up wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons. My stepmother said, "You're not allowed to watch Simpsons because it, you know, it's horrible and it teaches you to disrespect your parents." And he calls his parent, he calls his dad Homer instead of Dad, and all this. Yeah. And she was she was she was going off. There of are what many she parents heard. like that. She was going off of what she heard in the late 80s, and this was in the early 2000s. Meanwhile, he's watching Family Guy. He's watching Cartoon Network and, and, and Adult Swim, and all she hears is Cartoon Network, Family Guy. Oh, these must be okay. And she'd stick her head in and, you know, yeah, you can stick your head in at the wrong time on Family Guy and go, oh, whoa, what was that? That's what you're watching? But if you don't know the context of what you're watching, you're just like, this is nonsense. Yeah. Especially if you don't get pop culture references and stuff like that. And that's what happened. And, you know, I asked him flat out, I'm like, seriously, you don't know anything about Simpsons? He's like, no, I was never allowed to watch it. I said, but you know all this about Family Guy. And, well, yeah, because mom didn't know any better. And I'm like, really? Oh, okay. I mean, it, but she, if you ask her, I guarantee you she'll say she was taking a very active interest in what, and, and setting boundaries on what her son could watch. It's just, you. It's being a parent is not a passive job. It's a you constantly have to be. You're on duty twenty four seven. When your children are around, you have to be aware of what's going on. I mean, and it's it's ask any parent. It's that dangerous quiet. If you can hear them, you know, talking in the other room over the TV, and you're sitting in the other room, you know, reading a newspaper. Okay, fine. It's when all of a sudden it's been dead quiet for five minutes. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit, what the fuck is no, going we, on? We've been doing, we've done a couple podcasts where Aaron's like, I gotta run upstairs for a minute. It's a little too quiet. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's when, yeah, that's when, you know, you walk in and your kids, you know, found out that oh, if they press this button on the control, there's hardcore porn that they can order, you know, and it's like, oh shit, you know, as my mom said, I that goes in where? My mom said she walked in. Um, when I was like five and the babysitter was in the kitchen and the way the kitchen was set up is she could watch me on the couch and I was watching TV and when the babysitter left the room, PBS was on. Well, it just so happened that PBS started having a special about natural childbirth and my mom walked in the babysitter sitting in the Uh kitchen. She's like, yeah, he's fine. He's right there. My mom walked in, saw what I was watching and flipped her shit. Bloody bitch. Yeah. And she's like, what? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What are you watching? Rich is just stunned. He looks up at his mother. He's like, there's something you're not telling me. Yeah. <laughs> so just, don't, look like a, 
I don't look like a stork. Does Not all of this yeah. adds up, but I've seen Alien, and some of this is starting to make sense. Does this mean there is no Cabbage Patch nor a stork? <laughs> you know, and, and so, to, to my, you know, to my mom's so is credit, dad the face hugger, or does he have like, his, <laughs> or does he have his own face hugger? That's what I don't get. To my mom's credit, she didn't. She flipped out at the moment, but she collected herself. And was like, do you understand what you saw? And I was like, yeah, they said that's how babies were born. And she goes, did they show you how... How they were conceived? I don't even know how to ask that question. No, that was the channel before that, Mom. I can't remember exactly how she put it, because I barely remember it. I just remember her flipping out more than anything, because it was so weird to see your mom. You know, you're a little kid. It's weird to see your mom in that state of panic. And it was just like... Basically, she said, did you see how the babies were made? And... It wasn't that type of show. It was just a documentary about following this woman through, or a group of women through the different versions of childbirth, one of which was completely natural, no drugs, no none of this. So, yeah. You know, did it scar me for life? I mean... come on, no. No? I mean, it's like, I had friends that when they saw the uncut version of Knocked Up and they showed the baby crowning, they flipped out. That's what this shit looks like, and I'm like, "What the fuck did you think when it was going to be?" I mean, type? scar you for like, dude. I as, an, fucking... as an adult, seeing uh... in eighth grade, they brought in the miracle of life and showed it to us. We're like, "Whoa!" Because the end of that movie is a woman giving birth. I was scarred for the rest of my life from reality of actually uh, having the oh, what do you call it when they actually have to cut? Have to wipe? Cord? No, 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 no. The vagina. <laughs> Oh, when they when they cut when they cut between the anus and the vagina, I, I think I've blocked out the term for it because I've tried to block out the memory so much. But it, I'm getting all squirmy just uh, thinking about it now. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You're right. I because I remember asking, um, especially once uh, my daughter's mother was pregnant. It's like, how is your talk, taint ever the same? I would talk to other females who had had natural childbirth <laughs> and say. Didn't that hurt? And this is what they said. You're in so much pain at that point, I didn't even feel it. And I'm like, oh my God. So that's like having such a badly the only thing I could bad injury to- that someone comes up and, and steps on your hand, breaks every bone in it, and you don't even realize it. Well, okay, so have you ever had a bad tooth pulled? Oh, yeah. So nobody looks forward to the sensation of having a tooth pulled, no matter how much they shoot you up or numb you or whatever. Even just having the needle sticking in the gums, that's actually the worst part for me. Yeah. Uh, but... I did have one that bothered me so bad that I relished the pain of having it removed because it was it paled in comparison to the daily pain that I was living in with this oh, yeah. throbbing tooth. So I I think it's kind of like that, if I were to guess. Like I mean, I can see it's not. It's, well, also, I mean, in most cases, you got an epidural, so you're not feeling a whole lot below the waist. Period. What was uh, shit? What was I? Uh, damn it. It was a comic book that I was reading last night, and uh, the character was like, oh, she's crazy, and, and the other one was like, all women are crazy, or all mothers are crazy. It's the epidural. Drives them nuts. <laughs> uh, um, I don't remember what it was, so to give you context, but I can't think of it. Oh, okay, final note for the episode on a positive note, because I keep trying to reach for positives to pull from the previous year and things to look forward to in the next year. When we talked about at the top of the show about the chaos 
and the change that can come from it. Another thing that always comes out of chaos, regardless of whether you're looking at good change or bad change from your perspective, you can't argue that you get some of your greatest art. And if there's a similarity between now and the late 60s that we can draw, I hope that would be it. That we would see some truly fantastic art in any medium come out of the year 2017 in response to what the fuck is going on right yeah, now. The, the artists, ball is in your court. Artists, yes. comedians. What's left of you? <laughs> Those of you who won't be deported. Well, I mean, I, that's, that's, I go back to that. I, I say that <clears throat> comedy's prime for a renaissance, if you will, because you've had comedians come out for the last probably five years it, they've been the most vocal about it, saying they don't play colleges for what, right. because of you know. But that's a big thing. the response they get. Now comedians are starting to fight back, and they're fighting back, and because they're comedians and they're able to express themselves the way they want, people are understanding mm-hmm. these just because they're going okay, you SJW shut up. They're not saying it because they're hardcore Trump supporters, KKK members, whatever. They're yeah. saying it because they're advocates of free speech. They're saying it because they're tired of being of being told but not that, just what to say, but how to think about what but, is being said. But there's another aspect here because, I mean... They're going out like Steven Crowder? Comedians, in, in one form or another, have been fighting this for forever, for generations now. Usually but, coming but, from a religious right, though. But, but the difference here that we're seeing is that the comedian is able to, as a sole entity, is able to remain a sole entity. People like Louis C.K., who is able to be his own empire and therefore dictate everything that he does and wants to be involved with. And, you know, there's good and bad there with having the buck stop at, uh, at, at Louis C.K. or whoever the comedian may be. But, yeah, I mean, if, if they're able to win the war against the social justice warriors then it is going to be uh, doing so on their own terms with their own freedom. Oh, but right now I don't feel artist. like there's a voice out they there like yeah. George Carlin, like Bill Hicks, like, oh, uh, shit, fuck, I lost who the well, fuck I was going to say. I think, there, I think there's, <clears throat> I Listen, get what you're it, saying, Chris, but I think there are. I think they're just, there's so much more on the level of entertainment that they're lost in the white noise of how much entertainment's there. None has risen above the white noise. I think uh, Jim Jeffries is is well, kind of getting there. But I don't I don't want to narrow the aspect of this too much. I I agree with your point, but it's bigger than just people who are directly addressing society in ways that George Carlin did. Um, I, you know, just it doesn't have to be political. You don't have to be you two to be a, a band that uh, is about change. You know, you don't have to have a directly political message. And that's not really what I'm saying is that, like, we're going to see a lot of political art in response to the Trump presidency. Not everyone's going to be rage against the machine. I think we're going to see a lot of unique and vibrant art come out of the next year based on how chaotic this year was. Like those Trump statues with the tiny penises? <laughs> yeah, that. It's going to be the cr- the craziest memes you've ever seen in 2017. Mark my words. Well, I hope they all involve the insanity so, wolf. And wrap it up. <laughs> 2016, blow me. 2017, 
is going to have the greatest memes in the world. We could make them. Uh, I think that about sums it up for me. Happy New Year. <laughs> I just want to make it through another 365. That's just my goal. Let's come out the other end of this one still sucking oxygen. Yep, my, my, much. My, my bar is low. <laughs> I might get married. I don't know. That's pretty much all I got on deck. Yeah, it was funny. You know, what do you, when I was younger, what are your goals? Oh, this and this and this and this. Late 20s, what are your goals? Own a house with an in-ground swimming pool. Late 30s, what are your goals? Uh, not to die anytime soon. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> That's all I have. Christ. We're always just a ball of fucking... <laughs> they should play us before. We should warm up for Tony Robbins. We should, <laughs> we should yeah. go out on stage and all warm up for Tony Robbins. Hey, now that y'all want to kill yourselves, here's hey, Tony. The truth... Truth is dark and it hurts, all right? Yeah, actually. <laughs> Isn't that from Mr. Robot or something? I don't know what that is. I don't know what I'm talking about. That sounds about. like Elliot. I'm just thinking of the boondocks where when the episode where Martin Luther King actually lived, and Huey walks up to him and he goes, Dr. King, we need the truth. And not the pretty, make you feel better truth, but the angry, piss people off truth. We need that type of truth. Well, it, we're ripe to get it. Let's, let's let's get it on then. Fuck it. I'm game. But wasn't his wasn't yeah. wasn't King's Endgame in that? Is that you don't want to hear that truth? Wasn't that ultimately what he came to? That and was the answer. Fuck y'all. I'm going to Canada. You don't want to hear. It. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that's yeah. the, And that's the answer we got again in Trump's election. We don't want to hear the truth. Oh, we're getting we're getting we're getting Nicholson. What? Oh, <laughs> can't handle the truth. No, it wasn't. You can't handle the You truth. want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's something that I guess I, the older I get, the more I, I like it. I've actually had a few friends. One, one recently, he picked up on the podcast organically. It's not like I told, you know, shoved you it down his throat. And he's like, I didn't realize you did it. And he went back and he listened to episodes. And he started listening to weekly episodes. And he would actually message me and say, hey, heard the latest episode. And, and like, we'd talk about it. Now he doesn't, so I must have said something to piss him off, and that's how that's how I judge how how honest I'm being. If I'm pissing off the people on the left and the right, I'm being pretty honest. Then that's how I feel. I'm doing something right. I'm pissing because, off everybody. Well, because it's no look. If we're if we're in here talking about bullshit, and we're pandering to a certain group. We're just as bad as the things we criticize. And I mean, everybody's a hypocrite to a, you know on a long enough timeline to a certain extent. But isn't the the main point of trying to live a good life is to minimize the hypocrisy in your life? And I mean, I would be an asshole if I only called out the right, and I turned a blind eye to what the left did, or vice versa. You know, it's we call I out think, bullshit. We don't care what color tie it's wearing. Exactly, and I think the I think a lot of people who we we all three admire were like that. They didn't give a damn about what lines they crossed politically or, or you know, what, what social class or whatever lines they crossed. They just called out bullshit. And that's what, why I said I think comedy's ripe for a renaissance right now. Because I, yeah. I stand by this. Com- comedians, male, female, white, black, doesn't matter, have, are one of the last 
few remaining people that have the carte blanche to speak the truth. It's just whether or not people want to hear it. That's true, because we tell most of the our other artists to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, comedians are, it's funny because it's true. Musicians are, shut up and play your hit. Some rock! Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, that's a hopeful thing. That's what I'm hoping for in two, 2017. I mean, I'm not saying it's not true, but why do we all believe that comedians are smarter than our musicians? In our society. I know, right? <laughs> if you look at how they live most of their lives, they usually live in a studio apartment. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of clearing it's kind a of cool like, twenty-five G's a year. It, these guys, these guys know the truth. It's kind of like it's kind of <laughs> well, like which if, group if are you talking about then? Though I know. <laughs> it's kind of like that if might you be are, slung either way. If you're an actor or a musician, you're assumed to be stupid and certain. You know, shut up and you, what do you know about politics? No, but it's usually like a string of bad relationships. You know, usually comedians' lives are usually not the most together is what I'm saying. Well, here. comedians, usually most comedians go through pure hell misery of some sort to get to be as funny as they were because that was their coping mechanism. Yeah. So well, usually comedians come from a little bit more organic. It's very rare that, like, I, I find a comedian funny that gets up there and is the most hacky comedian ever. You know what I'm saying? Like... Here, here's a guitar and some sitcom impersonations, you know? Well, Fuck it here, dude. You know, to get back to George Carlin as an example, though, of somebody who we think represents a comedian who at all times spoke what he believed to be the truth. And I would say, I mean, there are some things where I wouldn't necessarily agree with George Carlin, but I'd say probably about 80% that I would agree with the things mm -hmm. that he would say in his act, right? Um, at no point in watching any of, I think... Shit. I must have watched all of at least the ones that he did in the last two decades, comedy specials that he did. Um, uh, the last two decades of his life, I should say. But I never thought, well, who's this guy anyway? You know? What's his life like? What makes him so special? What's he know? Why does he think he's got the secret, the answer to everything? You know? Who know? I don't know anything. Was he married? Did he have kids? Did he have good marriages, bad marriages? Was he considered a good person among his peers? Was he tough to work with? Who gives a fuck? He was up there talking making the truth sense. and making sense and doing so in a very funny way. It, yeah. I, well, that's because as a comedian, he decided to put his his comedy first and in, in, in mm -hmm. his his. His private life was just that, his private life. Like, right. perfect example, if you've watched the documentary that was made about Bill Hicks, um, one of the, 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 the slams against it was it didn't want to go into any of his personal romantic relationships. Well, here's the thing. Bill Hicks never really included that in his life. You know what I'm saying? Or included those, those personal aspects of his life like that in his act to the point where it was... Like a comedian like Cat Williams. If Cat Williams gets arrested, you're like, oh, shit, we're going to hear about it next special. Yeah. You know, whereas Bill Hicks, you know, his his thing was, I'm going up there and I'm speaking my truth about the issues I want to speak about. And, yeah, I have some shit that relates to men and women in relationships because I go through that but, just like everybody does. Yeah, I, I guess the point that I was trying to make is that we do give, it is fascinating how we do give comedians that freedom in, in that we can completely separate. We can understand that they are 
probably fucked up flawed human beings. You'd have to be to want to be a comedian as a profession in the first place. The fuck is wrong with you? Who chooses that? And uh, and so, uh, yeah, it, it's like if the truth comes out of you as a comedian, it's because you are a medium for the truth, right? The truth just flows through you when you're in the moment. It's the best a, ones, yeah. I think that's I think that's why we're able to separate uh, the person in the same way that, like, maybe you know, uh, a fan of a musician could separate their personal life, could understand that uh, all of Fleetwood Mac were horrible people. <laughs> <laughs> but that they had some really catchy tunes and that's not going to make you snap the record over your knee. You know? Yeah, I don't, no, I don't we know can about separa- you guys. We can separate those things. I don't know about you guys, but when I was younger, one of the things that like my friends we would bat around is like, what would you what would you do if you found out your favorite musician was gay? And I was my answer yeah. was always the same. I don't give a fuck. I'd be like, I like Queen. Too late. That's what I said. Uh, that's what I said. Right. That's what I said. I'm like one of the things that that I, that I brought up was one of the guys in one of the first bands I was in was like, faggots can't write fucking heavy shit. And I'm like, dude, have you heard Stone Cold Crazy? Not the Metallica version? That's pretty fucking heavy for back then, and that's Queen, dude. Well, I remember the first one I remember a controversy over was Michael Jackson in my age and whether or not he was gay and all these rumors. And we would pick up on this as kids. I was probably like, you know, six, seven eight years old somewhere around there and be like oh my god Michael Jackson might be gay oh my god really oh shit Michael Jackson's gay oh fuck you know what that means no what does it mean I don't know (laughs) what the fuck does that mean it means nothing like uh, all we knew is that like that was something I mean we understood that I think at that age of maybe around six or seven there wasn't yeah, there was like a, a, a gap. Like I understood that there was something that you could be that was called gay. And then the idea of actually like... And this is uh, your argument for uh, if you're going to argue nurture versus nature. Like I was so built to be heterosexual that like I did not want to believe as a young child that there was actually such thing as homosexual sex. But this was something so ridiculous that that's why it was used as a slander. It's like, what? How does that work? Do you just bump your penises into each other? It's like, <laughs> I took it as motherfucker, right? Nobody takes motherfucker literally. Even if somebody is fucking their mother, you don't call them a motherfucker. You call them, there's, there's other names to call that person. Oh, wow, you're an actual motherfucker. But yeah, right. So m- motherfucker is just no a, a euphemism. So I thought that gay was just a euphemism. Like, nobody really fucks other guys. Like, no guys fuck guys. Like, that's gross. Why would anybody do that? <laughs> <laughs> and then you saw your first DP porno when you were a kid, and you were like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> so does the guy strap on a fake vagina? How does that work? <laughs> oh, dude, no, here's the sad part. I think well, because... I was mean, <laughs> like the kids in It. Like They yeah. rub the dick on the belly and then ejaculate into the belly button, and that's how you make babies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, it rolls down, and it, it's, how, it's how the baby comes out nine months later. Um, the the one that I remember really leaving my, me and my friends dumbfounded at a young age was uh, another thing is when everyone said gay, we always thought about two guys, you know. Yeah. All right. It, yeah, it didn't mean. It, yeah, it didn't mean two women. And then when it hit us that two women 
that was just fun. That was cool. That gave me a special feeling. What did they do? Penthouse. And then one of our buddies was like, uh, my dad's got a movie with some lesbians in it. You know, the next time their parents were gone, we snuck over and watched it. And we were like, oh, that's what they do? Oh, okay. You know, it was like watching tapes from behind enemy lines, you know? Uh huh. Well, that's what they really like. All right, you know. You knew you <laughs> didn't want anything to do with the movie watched. with two dudes, but you knew you wanted everything to do with the movie with two women. Rich watched yeah. it. Rich watched it. And went. Wait a minute. Whoa. What if? What are we for that? Yeah. <laughs> we could be. We could be outdated. We got to do something about this lesbian thing. It was, it, it's funny because it was around the same time that uh, my stepdad. They seem to be made, having a better time. It was around the same time my stepdad made the mistake. I think I was about nine years old. He gave me uh, Sam Kennison's uh, "Have You Seen Me Lately" comedy album for a Christmas present. Parenting. And my mother did not know what was on that whatsoever. <laughs> and so I found out real quick. I found out about homosexual necrophilia. About lesbians, about bisexuals. <laughs> and then I went to, that was over Christmas break. When Christmas break was over, I went to school and I was like the walking encyclopedia of everything that you were afraid to ask your parents. <laughs> right. All of them, also somebody swallowing an SM58. <laughs> <laughs> like, three people got that joke and they were probably all us. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I know, right? almost 2017 i'm cracking jokes for myself yeah i don't give a fuck if anybody else laughs if i got left that's right you're not offended the joke wasn't for you yeah <laughs> all right so are we gonna sign this off <laughs> yeah <laughs> good way to wrap up the year yeah well yeah i mean the year was fucked up. It was crazy. We can't really complain as people. It's crazy enough to make us it come was back. Cool. We, we, we started unregimented and, got, and started uh, getting more people to follow us than before. There's a good thing that came out of this year. The world was so fucked up enough, it got, got us to start this podcast back up. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. See? Out of chaos comes art. Yeah. Boom. I don't... I beautifully mean, fucking it's illustrated. It's a liberal definition, I guess, to call what we just did. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, everything's art, right? Yeah. Oh, no, hold on. That makes me want to find this real quick. Okay. I don't I wonder if you've ever seen this. Oh, there you go. Okay, everyone, shut up and look at me. <laughs> Welcome to Visions of Nature. This room has several paintings in it. Some are big, some are small. People did them and they are here now. I believe that after this is over, they'll be hung in government buildings. Why the government is involved in an art show is beyond me. I also think it's pointless for a human to paint scenes of nature when they could just go outside and stand in it. Anyway, please do not misinterpret the fact that I am talking right now as genuine interest in art and attempt to discuss it with me further. End of speech. That, that is not what I was looking for. That's a good one, though. <laughs> oh wait, no. Here it is. This is. This, hold on, because this is. This is more in line with what you were talking about. Assignment. Can you figure that out? Encapsulate the spirit of melancholy. Easy. Boom. A sad desk. Boom. Sad wall. It's art. Anything is anything. Oh, right on. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was looking for. Too bad the audio is super low. Art, anything is anything. Yeah. Boom, an empty bong. 
<laughs> look, an empty look. The end of a podcast. So thank you to everybody who's downloaded, shared. Super easy to share the show now. Go to ChristopherMedia.net. You go to you go to the unregimented page, or if you get this within the first week, it's downloaded. It's right on the main page. There's a share button right at the bottom of the episode. That's even easier than rating our podcast or reviewing us. Yeah. Well, even now you is good. Now you can rate just by clicking through a button right at the oh, top of the page. Shit. Just rate and boom, take okay. it out of the Christopher Media Provider page on iTunes. You can rate all of them, all so the ones you like. ChristopherMedia.net. You can see the latest episodes, download them, or listen to them right there. Yes. Share them from there. Share them. Get and rate them and rate it right all in one spot yes or and if you want to do some shopping yes look on the Amazon, Amazon banner do that nice. yeah nice to everyone no, I got no skin off your teeth nose or whatever body part you don't want to lose skin off of I got Canada and UK in the works too for okay. those of you not listening in the US because it does happen unregimented worldwide oh, that's a scary thought gonna get boats and hose nice. <laughs> I know right but uh, at Unregimented Pod on Twitter, at Unregimented on uh, Instagram, Unregimented at ChristopherMedia.net if you want to email the show. Thanks for listening to 2016 and uh, strap, strap in, kids. It's going to be a wild ride, isn't it? How many days till inauguration? See you next year. All right, later, guys. If you enjoy this show and want more people to know about it, head on over to iTunes, leave a comment, and rate it five stars. Make sure you like and share us on Facebook, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Just search for Christopher Media. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Most importantly, we would like to take the time to extend an extra special thanks to you. Christopher Media could not exist without your support. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net, and thank you for for listening Christopher Media let's make some noise thank you for visiting christophermedia.net